Hey guys, Drew here from Comics for Fun and Profit, and I wanted to provide you with 2016's Best of Cowie's Mid-Year Review. Uh, for those of you um, who aren't aware, it was our attempt to um, capture the year uh, in the middle of the year uh, away from uh, all the year-end Best of shows, so it was kind of a crowded marketplace. So we moved it to the middle of the year. Um, if you haven't heard it, um, enjoy all our picks of things that uh, some of us are still reading and some of us aren't, and some of the things that we made money from um, in flipping comics. So uh, it was a fun crossover with James and Eric. And if you want us to do this again, we were talking about reviving it, but um, we want to hear from you. Let us know if you think it's a good idea. Uh, to revive that back up um, and uh, put that mid-year cowies back out again for 2018. All right, here it is. All right, thank you for listening to a very special episode of Comics for Fun and Profit and... Cowcast. The Cowcast. We are together, all four of us. Um, we'll go around. It's it's Drew and Kyle over at, at Comics for Fun and Profit, and... Eric and James from Cowcast. So we wanted to get together and and celebrate the halfway mark of a fantastic comics year. And if you're longtime listeners of our show, you know that at the end of every year, we kind of celebrate the year with a lot of our favorites and things that uh, we really enjoyed reading and some of our standout writers and, and such. So... Um, a lot of times we forget some of the great stuff that comes out at the earlier in the year. And so we thought it'd be a great idea to check in at the halfway mark and go over some of our favorites in a variety of categories and share those with you. And please feel free to crush us for our choices on social media and our various, uh, you can connect with us on our various social media and our websites. Ours, of course, is comicsfunprofit.com, where you can find all our links. And uh, yours is Cowabunga Comics? Cowabungacomics.com. That's right. Fantastic. And uh, so you can reach out to either one of us about some of our picks as we go down the list. Um, are we going to call these the Cowabungas or the... <laughs> we never did, we did just... come up with a name for that, did we? Yeah, I liked I liked the cowies or the or the bungas. I'm gonna <laughs> mix the bungas if that's okay. I'm gonna go ahead and say no, no bungas, no, no bungas. No bu- do we just do cowabunga for fun and profit? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the, the, it's, a, it's a really long. It's gonna cost us a, a, a mint in etching fees for our awards. That's true. But uh, I guess we'll, we'll have to go with the cowies. We'll go with the cowies. All right. Um, so the first category is is all about DC. And I was I thought it'd be a, a good way to kick it off is talk about your hottest seller at DC and I bet you I can guess. Yeah, it's it's been rebirth number one. Um, <laughs> it's a no brainer. Right. It, yeah. It's just been amazing for us. Uh, I think, like I've said a couple of times on some different areas, we we did reach a little bit farther than we normally would for uh, a series book or any kind of event book, and it paid off in spades for us. Uh, I think, James, do we are we? out now of the first print of rebirth or do we still have one or two left we are completely out as of uh as of last friday um i'm gonna bring my copies back to the shop though uh just because we've had so many people asking for them but we you know this is a book that i think are you gonna sell that for cover at your store at your shop oh yeah of course we sold all of them for cover nice um 
I, I six months a year, or a year ago, we probably would have ordered twenty copies of this book, and and then I I probably would have kicked myself the next day after I submitted the order. <laughs> um, one of the big reasons that we went so heavy on it was we had, as some listeners know, we had gone to the DC Retailer Roadshow, and it, that was down at the Hyatt Regency in Chicago, where they stressed the importance of this one shot, and I think obviously the, the eighty page. Uh, book for two ninety nine with their all of their a game writers and artists on it was a huge selling point. But the main thing that that struck me that it reminded me of was the DC um, countdown one shot that they released, which is it's probably going on about a decade ago now. Where uh, it was a an, another eighty page might have been sixty four sixty four eighty page one shot um, for a dollar, and they they had this build up to it, and that's the one shot where they killed where Max Lord kills Ted Cord, And when the, the book finally came out, the full title was Countdown to Infinite Crisis. And I remember that being just huge. And that book was sold out everywhere. And so Rebirth Number 1 really put me in the mind of the original uh, big DC $1 one-shot. And so I just, remembering how well that went, I ordered a lot of them. We ordered, you know, about five times what we normally would have ordered for the book. And it paid off in spades. Yep. And we had a ton of people from other shops coming out to get it from us because their shops ordered light. Uh, it, it was just phenomenal. It couldn't have worked out better. And on top of it, it was an awesome book. So, yeah, definitely the hottest seller, Rebirth number one. Awesome. Uh, what is your favorite series of the first half of the year? Either one of you. James, why don't you go first? Uh, I'm assuming you're asking about our favorite DC series. Yes, I'm sorry. Which yes, would be, yes, yes. No, that's fine. The Jeff Johns... Uh, Justice League. Uh, it has been what I had wanted Jeff Johns to be doing the the last uh, five years when he was writing books in the New Fifty Two. It felt like a like a a Jeff Johns event in the in the same vein as like Green Lantern Rebirth, Sinestro Corps, or Blackest mm-hmm. Night. It and I think it really had a lot of build up and it really earned how good the story was. Uh, I would say it was probably the best thing that DC put out uh, this year or last year, and that's counting the Rebirth one shot. So I was a big fan of Jeff Johns' Justice League. I'm sorry, that is the wrong answer. The answer is Sheriff of Babylon. You're looking <laughs> oh! for Sheriff of Babylon. Okay. you got to specify your vertigo here. Come on. <laughs> Always got to shoehorn vertigo. <laughs> Eric, what was yours? Uh, I'm going to go with uh, Grayson. Even though Tom King... Um, moved off of it towards the end of the run. It was definitely one that, for me, uh, just the artwork and the storytelling really fit hand-in-hand. I know you guys have talked about the kinetic artwork that was um, going on, and it just really added to the story. So I felt, top to bottom, that was a story that I really enjoyed reading. I enjoyed looking at it, and uh, it does eke out Snyder's Batman. That would have been the second one, but I just couldn't get completely into the mech bad story so for me it's going to be grayson kyle are you going to echo that no not in the least actually i'm going with superman american alien by max landis Uh, there's going to be some love for that later for me i absolutely adored that series i'd fallen into the youtube hole with max landis um last year on a lot of things and was really looking forward to this um jumped on it from directly the beginning um, I loved everything about it. I loved the different artists on each one. I love the way he tells a story and how he puts his own spin on the universe. And you can just kind of feel his general love for, for uh, Superman and what he does. And as a guy who isn't big on Superman, 
Um, it's a big thing for me to give that my favorite book of DC. I was going to give that to my favorite miniseries, but I ended up giving that my um, uh, something else down the road. I don't want to don't spoil that to jump ahead. Um, my, yeah, like I said, mine, mine was Sheriff of Babylon. Uh, I think uh, the, the combination of Tom King and Mitch Jarrods is pretty amazing. I, I, I love that creative team, and I think if DC was smart they would give them uh, a Sergeant Rock book and say, go. Uh, I think that would be pretty amazing. Um, but yeah, I really love this book and it's, it's my top of the, one of my top of the stacks every time it, it comes out. So uh, how about new series, James DC? We're still in DC. <laughs> yes. You're sure. going to need to specify with, with him. Oh, that's okay. <laughs> um, as far as the new DC series goes, I certainly like the first issue of flash. I thought that was very good. Yeah. Um, with, I guess for for single issue, I'll save that for the next question. But new series, I'm going to go. Yeah, I'm going to go with Flash. And this is the the new the new new the new new that there is only one issue out gotcha. of the one that just came wow. out. But I but I liked it. I like where it's going so far. Excellent. Um, I've never been a diehard Flash reader, but this one at least uh, enticed me to keep to keep going with it. And um, I like the art. I like the the writing style, so I'm gonna I'm gonna give it to um, to Flash so far. Awesome, Eric. Yeah, uh, for me, I'm also going to pick one of the new rebirthed titles, uh, but this is a tough one for me. I'm gonna say that my new series is gonna be Titans. I really loved that first issue. I'm really excited to see Dick Grayson back in his black and blue as Nightwing. Um, the team coming back together. A couple of additions. That, to me, is really exciting. Uh, but in a close second is Wonder Woman. And James knows I am a sucker for Rucka and especially Nicola Scott. I am really looking forward to what she does. But since there hasn't been a Nicola Scott issue out yet, it's going to be Titans for me for the new DC series. Nice. Kyle? I think I'm also going to go with a Rebirth, Rebirthing, and a Green Arrow. Um, it's... It surprised me because I did not expect to like it or have anything that really hooked me with it. But I like the Black Canary stuff back and the kind of the way they're building it. And I wasn't big into the New 52 Green Arrow in the least. Um, a little bit on that Lemire run and that was it. But there's just something about the art which I really enjoyed and the story that I think is going to be one that grabs me for a while. Yeah. Um, there's this There's this character is. He's a he's a man and he's 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 a bat, and it's a really fascinating new <laughs> series that they've come out with. It's called Batman, and it is a really good. And I really is there's a Tom King theme here, and uh, <laughs> I, I thought that first issue that he that he did really really was amazing, and uh, I, I loved it. It kind of distanced itself from the Scott Snyder stuff, although that was good. It was good in a different way, and I I really liked. Uh, his approach to the character so um, I'll stick with the rebirth run and give it to Batman um, favorite single issue in DC <laughs> should be a unanimous I think I, yeah rebirth number one yeah yeah you know unless so you said for the the entire last year or just the first half of the year first half of the year 
Okay, well, yeah, then it'll then we'll go with the rebirth one shot. Yeah. I am not going with the rebirth one shot. I am going with Grayson Grayson issue sixteen, mm. my wonderful sing along issue that I loved so much. Oh um, yes, that yes. still is one that I still pick up and read, and it's rare for me to reread a comic. Uh, I loved it. I enjoyed it. It was one of the last things the creative team did as a whole before we kind of coasted to the finish line. Um, I think that will forever be one of my favorite issues. So Grayson 16 is my best single issue of DC. That's a good pick. Yeah, and I'm with Rebirth. Yeah, I went with Rebirth too. Um, Eric, did you have Rebirth? Yep, I did. I did. Okay, okay. Um, So favorite DC writer? (laughs) Well, I I can pick that one up. Um, See, I could cheat and say Garth Ennis... But uh, he hasn't really written anything Mm-mm. DC in a while, and, and I wasn't a huge fan of Section 8. Um, I, I'm going to go with Jeff Johns, which I, it's kind of an obvious out, but he's written so far two of the books I've named. I mean, he wrote Justice League and The Rebirth One-Shot. Yeah, The guy's got a, a pretty dang good track record, so I'm going to stick with him. No no arguing there, yeah. Yeah, cool. yeah for me, uh, for Eric, I'm going to go with Tom King. Um, Drew, I might have just taken yours, but he has been rock solid on everything he's touched. Uh, his storytelling is something that I latch on to. It's not super drawn out, but yet there's enough depth that it's intriguing and makes you want to dig in and read more. And that's, you know, spanning all the titles he's done, whether it's the Sheriff of Babylon, Grayson, uh, and now moving into the Bat world and in, in, uh, with the Batman title. So I, for me, it's Tom King. Fantastic. Guile? I also have Tom King, and I cheated and also put Max Landis as my mm. favorite DC writing. <laughs> that is a tie. There are no ties. One and one A? Oh, I don't know. Judges? <laughs> oh. Jeff Johns. Jeff. <laughs> Ooh, wrong on both accounts. Okay, I went, I went with Rob Williams, uh, the writer of Unfollow, another Vertigo book. Friggin' Vertigo! Yeah, yeah, gotta give some love to Vertigo. It's... Uh, Goes way back with me and uh, doesn't get the love and support it needs. But yeah, I, I loved Unfollow. Lo- still love Unfollow. It's great. And uh, his writing is a big part of that. Uh, how about favorite artist at DC? I can jump in and do that one. Uh, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, so for me, my favorite artist is uh, this is going to the Superman American Alien. He only did one issue, but Jai Lee. Um, mm-hmm. That issue was awesome. And. Uh, yeah, so he's my favorite artist, even though he only did one issue for this first half of the year. Cool. Uh, I'm going to go with uh, kind of a, a sad pick, uh, but I've, I've got to throw it out there. Um, Darwin Cook with Twilight Children. Yeah. it's I, I'm pretty sure it's the last thing that he, pub, or that he did that was published, and it was a phenomenal book. It was written by Love and Rockets, uh, Gilbert Hernandez, and I think it was some of his most refined work so uh sadly and um i guess respectfully i gotta go with darwin cook on this one yeah it was um i found the story incomprehensible but it was pretty to look at yeah <laughs> i'll i will agree with you on that to a point no doubt about it <laughs> kyle wow oh, since his the end ha- or the run has come to an end and we've moved on i'm gonna have to just say capullo uh thanks for everything enjoy the back half of your run on batman and uh Always a big fan of his art, and he will be sorely missed for now. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I went with Mitch Jarrods just because I was still thinking about Sheriff of Babylon. <laughs> I couldn't get it out of my head. <laughs> so uh, that that's who I went with. 
Um, th- this one I think is is a really cool category for um, for you guys as sellers. And is book you wish pe- more people read and when pre-ordered and you know supported. Well, the one that I put down was Jeff Johns' run on Justice League, which is now over. So I wish more people had read that past tense. Um, but that would have to be my answer. It's not going to drive many sales for us, but, you know. It sold well, though, didn't it? It did not sell as well by us as it probably sold. Uh, nationally. At a lot of other places. Okay. Um, yeah, we just we didn't move a lot of copies of it. I, I think we had um, subscribers in the single digits for that book, and kind of surprising, but it was a great book. Yeah, and, and for me, it's Grayson. Uh, mostly because he wasn't Nightwing, I think is why people kind of dropped off the book. They just weren't intrigued, and, and they missed out on a heck of a good story. Um, so that's a that's a kind of a frustration for me. I think Grayson was one. And then I have a, I have a Kyle 1B, and that's Superman <laughs> American Alien. I do wish more people would have picked that series up, just because I think it was uh, really kind of a novel thing to do, having a different artist with each issue, and having Max Landis do the writing, typically not a comic book writer, um, and different tones with each book. I think that that was a really cool way of telling a story, and I do wish that more people would have picked it up because I think that they would have found at least one or two issues out of that run that really connected with them. So those are my 1A and 1B. And, you know, I think I'd like to go back and change my favorite artist to the Joelle Jones issue <laughs> that she did in that series. Because, Absolutely. Uh, that was just amazing. But I, I think I'm using her down further on in another category so i better not i'll stick with mixed mixed years uh kyle for you uh grayson as well took the words right out of my mouth um i think also it just kind of from the moment it came out it just kind of steady decline never really picked off and it just kind of faded off a little bit much i think more people needed to be reading that uh for me it is still astro city uh i don't do not know why uh a consistently great book uh, like Astro City does not get read by as many people as it should, and um, it's a it's a darn shame. Uh, now, kind of the same along the same lines, we're just going to shift gears into Marvel. Uh, what was your your biggest seller uh, up there? Sure. So we've got kind of two answers for this one. Single line title uh, for us is Vader. Vader is outsells Star Wars. Uh, it's been a consistent top of the line book for us for Marvel. Uh, but we took a look also to say what's our best selling character and no surprise that's Deadpool. He's in, you know, five or six titles right now. So if you're looking at a single line title, it's Vader. If you're looking at one character, it would be Deadpool. But I think we should note that even if we look after Vader, yeah, Deadpool is our best selling Marvel character, but most of the star Wars series still come in after Deadpool. I think he, he comes in at probably our fourth or fifth best-selling Marvel title. So the Star Wars books are still, they're still juggernauts. Um, and they're, they're still going to go strong, I think, for quite a while. And tagging up on that, from the secondary market, uh, Deadpool Spider-Man was the big one for me. I made a ton of money <laughs> oh, yeah. on Spider-Man Deadpool. Um, from the three GameStop exclusive points variants I got, I was able to get quite a bit out of those. I uh, got one still here that I had McGinnis sign at C2E2. Um, to the fir- to the first prints I flipped and sold. To the fifth print I flipped and sold. So across the board, Spider-Man Deadpool has been great on the secondary market and a, a great seller for myself. Oh, okay. Um, did you have a, a hot seller you wanted to throw in for DC up there? Um, no. 
<laughs> I didn't. <laughs> okay, okay. I, I just thought I thought maybe I had overlooked you and you wanted to be a part of that one. Um, I mean, the the best thing probably from a secondary market for DC was the Batman Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Those things flew up in price. Very underordered. Issue two, extremely underordered, and a twenty five dollar book. Nice. Yeah, and those one in fifty variants are are. There's a few of them. I think two is going into the triple digits now. Yep. Okay, how about your favorite series at Marvel, James? Or Eric? <laughs> James, you go first. I Okay. Um, I guess ongoing series, uh, I would go with Vader, even though it's ending at 25. Yeah. it's It has had really great, I mean, just consistent art, consistently good story. Um, even the, the Vader down crossover, which I kind of rolled my eyes at when they announced it, a typical Marvel crossover where you have to buy you know, a, a one shot to kick off the series and then you have to buy a couple issues of Star Wars to get the whole thing. I thought that was just incredibly well done. It was a great story and I appreciate it even more because they're they're bringing it to a logical end and saying we can't really take the story much further than the beginning of Empire Strikes Back. So we're going to wrap it up and give people an enjoyable uh, kind of in-between Star Wars story about a character that a lot of people love and love to hate. Um in many instances, so I, I give them a lot of credit for putting out a good book and knowing when to end it. Also, I figure Marvel will take that as the opportunity to put another Vader number one later this year. Yeah, that too. <laughs> no doubt about it. And with about 19 variant covers, too. <laughs> but of course. <laughs> yeah, Eric. I think, so for me, um, Vader was definitely a strong one, but I'm, I'm going to go with Silver Surfer. I just, I love having kind of, I consider it a palate cleanser. I love getting out of the heavy Marvel universe and just being able to kind of go off tripping in the stars. Um, Mike and Laura Allred's art is just gorgeous to look at. The stories are fun and light, and the addition now of Dawn and, and giving the board to me kind of a, an actual name and a personality has just been really, really great. And it's it was nice that Silver Surfer, you know, kind of escaped a lot of the uh, Secret Wars stuff and didn't have to deal with that. So it's just been really a nice, consistently fun read to just jump into get a little bit of fun and then get out and not feel like you've got you know things weighing you down across the marvel universe so uh, for me definitely silver surfer nice guile uh mine also a more lighthearted uh spider-man deadpool i've really enjoyed that i think it's been the best of the deadpool series and there's like half a dozen currently um, but I think it's really well written. It's got uh, jokes that push the envelope and, and really hit. I think it stays true to the characters. And it's my favorite interpretation of Spider-Man and Deadpool currently at the moment. So I'm really enjoying Spider-Man Deadpool. Um, mine is definitely The Vision. And uh, I, I love this book. love it. And I wish it would go on forever. But alas, it probably will not. Um, but yeah, I love it. I love it. I love it. How about new series in Marvel? I'd start with, well, I'm going to name two books for this. The Daredevil Punisher miniseries. I've really, really been enjoying that. Um, I like that the, I think they gave it a, a pretty serious tone that um, I don't want to say that had been missing in the Mark Wade Daredevil run, but because his Daredevil one run was great, but I really liked that the, the tone kind of skewed more towards uh, a Frank Miller feel. And uh, I, I really, really like that series. Um, and you know what? I'll hold the other one off for, for the, the next question. So maybe, <laughs> Eric, you want to jump in? I missed that one. I, what, what, how many issues was that? Uh, as far as I know, there's two. Uh, are there more issues out? I, 
I've read two. Huh. Um, but but yeah, it's it's been a pretty good series so far. And Daredevil is in his um, his like '90s sort of black costume. So uh, at the very least, look into it. I, I thought it was a pretty good pretty good book from what I've read so far. And who's the writer? I well, I don't know how to pronounce his name. Is the problem? Even though I've met the man, is Charles Sewell? Oh, Soul, yeah. Soul. Yeah. Okay. Well, that that sounds about right. Yeah. Okay. So he's doing a he's doing a a, a Daredevil Punisher book. Yep. Yeah, it's a Daredevil cross uh, Daredevil Punisher uh, crossover book. So I missed, it's been it's been pretty completely. cool. Yeah, it's worth checking out. Go ahead, Eric. All right, for me, it's uh, Spider Man Deadpool. I think that's been kind of the uh, the series that I've really jumped on to the most that's a new series uh for me i don't read as much marvel as i do dc and image so uh, my my pool of candidates was very slim so spider-man deadpool for the same reasons that kyle talked about with mm-hmm. why it's his favorite series just uh pretty funny true to the characters or at least a, a true representation that i want to read and yeah. uh, very lighthearted and enjoyable uh, uh, mine is uh spider-man i i really like the I really like Miles Morales. He is my favorite. And uh, I've kind of lost a little luster with uh, the, the mainline title. And so I, I really enjoy this one. Um, I think it just does. It seems like it's been a while since we've had an issue. But uh, I, I like it every time it comes out. And uh, I like hanging out with Miles Morales a lot. So fun! it's a fun, fun series. Uh, how about favorite single issue for Marvel? We don't care what my opinion is on that one. Did I skip you? You, of course, did. <laughs> and, and just simply because you skipped me, I'm going to do two, as I normally do. I'm going to go get a beer. Just tell me what Kyle's was when, when you get so back. Uh, All New Wolverine. Of course, uh, Tom Taylor and his interpretation on X-23, which I never really cared about again before this. But uh, I've enjoyed the writing on that. I've enjoyed her as a character. And uh, I've enjoyed the lull we've had without an actual Wolverine um, within the Marvel Universe. And International Iron Man. We've only had four issues of that so far, but I like kind of uh, the different take on Iron Man, kind of the more intimate where you're just focusing on uh, Tony Stark and his search for his biological parents and the lost love from 20-some-odd years ago that he had when he was in college and how that impacts him in his current day. So International Iron Man and All New Wolverine are my two favorite new series. Okay. This is ridiculous. I, I gave you the one, one and one A before. <laughs> <laughs> you can't keep doing two. I do have a category with three, so just FYI. Oh, are you yeah, we are going to run out of cowies before we get to the end of this. There's only so many cowies to go around. <laughs> we don't have enough gift baskets in the back for all these people to get their lavish prizes with. <laughs> I'm down to 30 ounces of pineapple juice, too. Oh, <laughs> uh, single, best single issue. Uh, so for me, for Eric, it's Spider-Man Deadpool number one. Okay. It was just a fun little way to kick things off and uh, really got me excited for what that run was going to be. So that's going to be the one I go with. Cool. Uh, my pick is, it will probably surprise the heck out of Eric, but um, I went with Avengers uh, standoff assault on Pleasant Hill Alpha. And it's going to surprise you because it's a Nick Spencer book. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm not a huge <laughs> fan of. Uh, but I really, really love this book. I thought it's got my favorite Marvel villain, who shouldn't necessarily be a villain, Baron Zemo. 
and he is sort of back in his kind of early to mid 90s swaggering uh villain but kind of an anti-villain status in this book like he's righteously pissed off that he's been kept in this prison with you know no due process no civil rights and so he's got a bunch of his old thunderbolts guys and they're you know just ready to rock and roll and i just i thought the art was fantastic and being able to see my favorite villain kind of back to his old tricks and and at least for the time being in the beginning looking like he's going to come out on top i really appreciated that fantastic so that would be my pick Kyle, what 17 issues did you enjoy this year? I simply picked one, <laughs> and kind of to tag up, mine was Spider-Man Deadpool number four. Oh, wow. Uh, um, the issue where Spoiler. Spider-Man and Deadpool kind of have a breakthrough and actually go out for a night on the town. It's nice to see them break down that wall. And the relationship that Deadpool so sorely needed comes out, and for the first time in a while, for the, the Peter Parker that we have, he, he has a good time, and it's, it, was, it was a good, fun issue, and I, I laughed out loud on it. Yeah, you were on this. You were on this series way before me, and uh, put me onto it, and it was really good. Good call. Um, and I'm kind of in the Deadpool vein with you. I, I gave it to the uh, Deadpool 13, the four issue crossover in one uh, that they just came out with, and I thought that was pretty darn inventive, pretty amazing to do an entire crossover in one issue, and uh, it was it was a lot of fun. Um, very well done. Um, your favorite Marvel writer, James? Uh, well, I'm going to go with Charles. Now that I know how to pronounce his name, Soul, just because of the Daredevil Punisher miniseries. Uh, that would be my pick. I'm going to go with Joe Kelly from Spider-Man, Deadpool, and I think that the big reason I'm going to do that is James. You pointed me way back, a few, quite a few months ago to uh, Joe Kelly's run on Deadpool's kind of being the quintessential Deadpool run. And I can't agree with you more. He gets the character. It's so much fun Yay. to read. And, uh, and I, well, he gets the character because he, he sort of <laughs> made the character. Yeah, I believe he was the first he person didn't invent him, but... to break the fourth wall, I believe. Yep. Exactly. Yep. Exactly. He was a, uh, just a wisecracking, you know, Rob Liefeld mercenary before Joe Kelly really got a hold of him. So he kind of made him what he is today. Huh, that's cool. I didn't know that. Yep. So I'm going to go with Joe Kelly. It's it's been really great to see him back writing Deadpool, and and I hope that this Spider-Man Deadpool run that's now been um, switched from a mini to an ongoing continues strong because he gets it, and boy, it's sure a lot of fun to read. Mm-hmm. Kyle, I am going with the Mister Nick Spencer, partially for his much maligned uh, Captain America issue that uh, got him in some hot water and I really enjoy the humor of Ant-Man. I like the little references that they usually hit right on my alley, but be it a Star Wars or obscure 90s pop culture reference. Um, So I like the way he's been writing some things. He, you know, had a a little bit of difficulty in a couple of Ant-Man where he went a little sad sack for a while. Um, But he's he's got a sense of humor that I quite enjoy. Uh, I went with Ryan North be for his work on the incredible squirrel girl which uh what yeah i i I love his i love his humor i love his writing style and i love the way he puts a book together and he does some really inventive stuff that makes me uh like eric's silver surfer it's a palate cleanser for me 
it really is nice to put down a, a stack of books and then shift switch it up for a squirrel girl issue have some fun and then get back into the serious business of comics uh how about uh favorite marvel artist all right well um, i'll kick this off with yeah go oh, ahead James. you want to take it nope you go ahead okay all right uh i'll kick it off with one that sort of an unorthodox pick but uh i'm gonna go with alex Maleev. the fact that scarlet didn't come out for about three years and then they double shipped two issues in two weeks uh i thought was a really dumb publishing move but <laughs> Maleev's art looks incredible i mean it, it's some of the best interior work i think on any comic that's out today and uh you know if you'd asked me uh, a month ago i wouldn't have been able to say that for a couple of years but um since they decided to put two issues out uh i'm definitely gonna go with Maleev. okay yeah, and on, on my side, um, I have to go with the team of Mike and Laura Allred for Silver Surfer. Uh, Mike gets a lot of the love for the art, but without Laura's colors, that it just doesn't work as well. So uh, I, I have to give it to them. The way that they, they bring a lot of that pop color into the artwork, it's in space, so there's always a natural dark background. But to have all the bright and vibrant colors to play off of, really, it's just a feast for the eyes. I absolutely love it. The clean line work. And especially the way that they're able to make the surfer emote, even though he's reflective and he does, you know, he's got his face, but his body language speaks and it's just, it's, it's beautiful. And as well as the, the board being able to see to me, uh, have emotion is just a, it's wonderful. So I, Mike and Laura all read. Did you like uh, art ops at all? I have a couple of issues in the box sitting next to me, but I have not dug into it yet. And part of that is because I remember if it was you or if John, when you were doing a review, was kind of like a little off on it. And it, it seemed like it was more on the writing angle. So I just thought, well, I'll keep those here until I hit we a dry both, spell. Yeah, we, we both hated it. <laughs> yeah. So it's there percolating. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Art's, the art was kind of pretty in places, though. Kyle? I'm going with something I can't pronounce, so here goes. Uh, Katie Niemzik, and that is the artist on Mockingbird. Oh. And uh, one thing that always stood out to that is I I love the line work. Um, I love what she does on Mockingbird. There's always really creative things in the heading pages uh, where they kind of do the doctor's script work or the or the physician's write-up on her. And it's kind of the closest thing you get to some of that uh, David Aha stuff where you'll go and there'll be kind of a letterhead, which is, well, how to kick down a door, don't lead with your foot, do this, always wear comfortable shoes kind of thing. And I like the way she sets that up, what she does with it. And like I said, the art's been really, really good on that. And that is my pick. That was a close second for my best new series, Mockingbird. It's, it's been go. fun. Yeah. Uh, my favorite artist at Marvel is Greg Smallwood. Love his panel layouts, love his inventiveness, um, and I love the way he renders Moon Knight. So, good stuff. Um, yeah, that was a good book, too. Yeah. Both both volumes. <laughs> oh, yeah, absolutely. Both volumes in the first half of uh, <laughs> 2016. Um, a book you wish more people read, guys. I'll just kick this off with Scarlet again, because now I... For two reasons. One, yeah, they, they shipped two issues uh, of a book that hasn't come out since 2013. Um, but the other reason is, if you want to get in on the ground floor of 
what could be a, a cool pop culture phenomenon. Um, apparently, Cinemax is going to be making a TV show out of it. Mm-hmm. So now you could you have an excuse to jump on and read the book. They're actually putting issues out. I know Bendis likes to light cigars with hundred dollar bills these days, but he decided to bless us with putting putting a few issues out. And I think everyone should uh, pick up the first trade and then pick up uh, the issues that came out in the last month and get caught up before the show comes out. So there's like eight issues total. Uh, there's 10 issues. 10 issues. Yep. Yeah. The, the 10th issue came out. Um, I think it was just last, last week. Okay. And then, uh, two weeks prior to that issue nine came out and then issue eight came out, uh, or issue seven came out in 2013. So yeah, they, uh, they were not on any kind of regular release schedule with that. (laughs) Eric. Yeah, so for me, I wish more people would read Silver Surfer. Uh, I think that it's a book that spans audiences to both the um, experienced comic reader and the the Marvel Universe uh, lover, but I also think that it's a book that can extend to kids, especially younger girls. Uh, We hear a lot about how Miss Marvel is a book that, you know, teen and teenage girls should really get into because it's empowering. Um, I think that there's really something in in Silver Surfer for that same age group. I've got some coworkers of mine who have daughters that are in the 9 to 14 range, and I've recommended Silver Surfer, and they absolutely love it. Um, I think they enjoy it because it is visually very captivating, but having Dawn being that strong grounding force for Norrin, I think really uh, is something that kids can latch onto. And it's a shame that because Silver Surfer is not a part of the mainstream Marvel Universe and the cinematic and the Netflix uh, realm of things, he really kind of gets overlooked. And, you know, I I just I like it for that. And when we get kids that come into the shop, parents um, that have those kids, I'm usually trying to at least show them Silver Surfer and tell them that it's out there, give them a little bit of the background behind it. Uh, And they... Sometimes they go for it, sometimes they don't. But that's one that I really wish more people would read because I think it's a fun it's a fun book and an easy one for a lot of folks to get into that maybe aren't as steeped in the Marvel history as a lot of other readers. Does Fox still own Silver Surfer? I, they do. Yeah. They own everything associated with uh, the Fantastic Four license. Even, uh, well, actually, I think Marvel just uh, worked out the rights to Namor. But even even for a while, I think, there was a conflict with with Namor, so they've got Fantastic Four, the Skrulls, Galactus, Silver Surfer, all sorts of cool stuff. Doctor Doom, and are running it into the ground. Oh my God, I know. I think more people want Marvel to get Doctor Doom back than the Fantastic Four, but probably won't happen for a while. Yeah, Kyle, what's the what's the book you wish more people would read? I have written down here, please make Silk more popular than Spider-Gwen, because I think it's a much better character, and it <laughs> drives me nuts that Spider-Gwen <laughs> continues to eclipse it and is just god-awful. So, Silk, please take the reins on that one. But you know what drives Spider-Gwen? I don't think... I mean, I, I'm sure a lot of people love the series, but I tell you, I see almost as many people cosplay as Spider-Gwen yeah, no as they do Poison Ivy these days. It yep. is a great costume. It's very that visually striking. The striking. book is great. Yeah, but and the other thing, it's a cool, safe costume for younger girls. Mm. Yep. And hoodies, so, really comfortable. So, Oh, oh yeah. Of course. <laughs> um, I, I, it's Moon Knight for me. 
the newest volume. Uh, please, somebody read this book so it doesn't get canceled in the teens again. What is this? Um, the fourteenth volume? Seventh. <laughs> seventh. You were... I don't know. I think the numbers are pretty strong on this one. Yeah. At least in our shop, it's it's had a steady increase of of uh, subscribers and readers. So I think mm-hmm. we started off getting a couple, and now we're up to half a dozen subscribers or so. Yeah, so it's growing for, in our yeah, shop. For Moon Knight, we're adding. I would say we're adding two people a month yep. since the first issue came out, which is incredible growth uh, on a, a third tier Marvel book for us. So it's doing something right. Yeah. Or maybe the combination of Lemire and Smallwood. This is it. Maybe this is the magic. Oh, Lemire is great. There's no doubt. Yeah. Well, let's slide over to image. Uh, one of our favorite publishers over at comics for fun and profit. And uh, what's the hottest selling image book for you guys? It's well, it's, there's two books. Um, and it's kind of interesting how it, it's ended up shaping out in the last year. Walking Dead is our easily our hottest seller, but we have more people that are subscribed to Saga. And what I have seen has been a lot of people dropping Walking Dead as a subscription book. And we, you Going know, some of what we see again. Dropping it. Well, no, there's there's um, people that are normally subscribing to it are, are dropping it. And some of them we see again when they come in to pick up a trade. Some of them will come in to just randomly pick the issues up off the shelf. So we always have to have a, a good amount of Walking Dead on the shelf. But we have had a couple subscribers tell us that they decided to switch over to Image's new home uh, subscription delivery mm. service. So they're getting oh. the books at, I think it, it shakes out to about um, two forty nine an issue straight from Image, which is sort of annoying because as a retailer, I look at it as is this is what image is saying the new srp is supposed to be because that's what they're selling it at so we've lost subscribers that have gone over to that but our number our sales on the book are still as steady as ever whereas saga doesn't have as many people coming in to buy the monthly books but it's got a very very healthy subscriber base that would never drop the book yeah yeah count me among those i'll never drop it there you go (laughs) we just keep adding issues and issues every month (laughs) <laughs> nothing wrong with that Kyle you got anything to chime in there uh, yeah I mean this was the year that it was good to sell Walking Dead between the catapult of issue 100 which we speculated on with there being so many would it, would it increase in value it sure did to hitting with that cover C of issue 150 um, oh yeah so Walking Dead has been a great year for the secondary market and I've been holding and holding and holding and this seems like a time when it's good to flip it. Even uh, you're able to sell your 127s for a big price because of the Outcast first appearance in it. Well, 108 is going nuts too. We can't keep 108 on the shelf at the shop. Yeah, the the first appearance uh, of Ezekiel. I, yeah, because there was some I I remember seeing something where they had like a cut scene where they found like a tiger paw print in mm-hmm. the season finale or something. And that that book is going crazy. That's a hard one for us to keep on the shelf at like twenty bucks per issue. So that's a great book to have right now. Oh yeah. What is your favorite image series? Uh, Walking Dead. <laughs> that's an easy one. I've been I, since I've been reading it since it came out. As you guys know, um, I have to stick to Walking Dead, and that's the one book that when Diamond shows up with with our delivery, I'll <laughs> stop whatever I'm doing. And I will read Walking Dead. Yeah, it's a five-minute read, but it is pretty darn fulfilling, every every issue. There aren't any bad issues. No, there aren't. And everything they've got going on right now, 
you, you know that he's building to something and it's, just, it's been so masterfully done ever since the 127 kind of time jump i've i've loved everything yeah for me um i am not a walking dead reader uh, i also don't watch the tv show Boo. Boo. I know, right? <laughs> You're a zombieist. However, I'm, I'm looking at my bookshelf and I see compendiums one and two. Um, I am halfway through the first compendium, but uh, yeah, for me, my favorite image series. This is this is really tough. The favorite series that I have right now that is still ongoing is Revival. Yeah, uh, it, right. it's just fantastic. Great one. Uh, but there's one series that beats it out that's put on hold, and that's Black Magic. Yeah, that that was good. That was really only. What four issues though? I think it was five issues in the first trade, and now it's on hiatus for Wonder Woman. But yeah. um, oh my gosh, that book was—it was pretty. Oh yeah, and the storytelling, of course. I mean, Rucka is a is a genius. Mm-hmm. But back to my pick, Revival. Um, Tim Seeley, Mike Norton. It. So for me, I think part of the reason why I don't get into Walking Dead as much is um, the black and white thing kind of throws me off sometimes, and even more so than that, I I feel like the story can get long and drawn out and something mm-hmm. about revival is always there's always fresh things the, james and i have talked numerous times about the book and there's really only one arc of revival that was kind of a um, take it or leave it arc and that was when we end up in new york city uh, but outside of that man that series has just been so solid and on top of it you know getting to talk to those guys whether it's at c2e2 or uh, through emails or whatever um, really really nice guys to talk to so yeah, for me, it's. Hey, how'd it's you hear about Revival, Eric? I, some goofball in a comic shop was like, hey, you should check this out. It's a cool book. Oh, cool. All right. Good to know. No, they're yeah. from. Drew, I smell a oh, Wisconsin they... Homer pick on that one. Uh, yeah, are they from? You... No, they're, they live in uh, they live in Chicago area. So Okay. But the uh, book's I'm out of Wisconsin. Sure... It takes place in Wisconsin. I thought I thought one of them, I thought Seeley or Norton, one of them was from Wisconsin. I think Wisconsin. Seeley's from Wisconsin originally, maybe, but they both definitely. I mean, that's all you need. <laughs> But you guys get it. I know you get it. Yeah, so he you was know born it's a in good Wisconsin. Book. Oh yeah. So yeah, well, that's fine. I stopped reading it. <laughs> I didn't. I stopped reading it during the New York transition. Yeah, there. I mean, it got. It, it was a slog for a couple of issues, but it. I think get they, they on, realized man. that and righted it. I know. Really I, I I meant to catch up before it ends so that I can finish with everybody else. And it's going to oh. end at what forty seven. 47, 48, something like that. Is yeah. it? Or are they yeah. going to try and shoot for 50? I'd heard at one point they are going to try and end it on 50. I don't know if that's still the case. C2E2, he said, I think, 48. Okay. But he may have changed. <laughs> Who knows? Yeah. But, yeah. yeah. Kyle? Um, I've got like 14 things written down here because, <laughs> man, i got a lot of... You, know, you, you can only pick your top 13. Okay, <laughs> then deal. Uh, Outcast. I'm still really enjoying Outcast and uh, really enjoying the show as well. Of course, Walking Dead and Saga. So you're really gonna you're really gonna run down a list. And then a special <laughs> note to Southern Bastards. I'm done. That's it. Just four. Just four. I stopped at four. Okay. Those are one A through D. You know, I'm uh, actually. You said uh, Southern Bastards. I'm kind of surprised that Jason Aaron didn't get any love in the Marvel section. He seems like yeah. he's reading writing half of the Marvel universe right now. Yeah, he really that I loved his I love his Thor run, but those last two issues still irk me. <laughs> Yeah, they were hmm. bad. My favorite series is Southern Bastards, and so uh, it's the very if when it's out, it's the first thing I read, and uh, I I love it, and I I wish it was out more frequently. But it, why isn't that an HBO show? Uh, I mean, that would be just 
perfect. Well, it would be it would be lovely. Yeah, I love that book too. There's there's no doubt it's a great book. I have a feeling there's not a lot of suspense on new series for Kyle and I, um, so I'm going to throw it to you guys and see if you guys can mix it up for us. Go ahead, James. Well, I guess with Image, I <laughs> I got to be honest, I haven't read a ton of new series. Uh, one that I that I started that I I think I'm two or three issues behind on. Um, it's a newer series, but I was uh, here's that language warning. But I started reading uh, Bitch Planet. And um, and I I liked it. I I mean I I thought it was a neat sort of pulpy mm-hmm. grindhouse yep. uh, throwback feel to it. And, How many uh, issues I, are you in? Oh gosh, I'm, uh, four issues in. Okay, that'll fade. So <laughs> yeah. okay. Oh yeah. no! I, I, oh no! Spoiler! I, I, I loved it the, the through the first trade, and then it you'll see. Okay. <laughs> um, so I, I liked it. I mean, I again, I'll I'll be honest. I um, Oh, uh, um, Black Magic. Eric mentioned Black Magic. Mm-hmm. I, I did really like Black Magic, too. You actually read it? I read the, the first three issues. I'm so proud of you. <laughs> you you pretty much made me. Pretty much. I mean, yeah. <laughs> you revivaled me, so I Black magic you. <laughs> Smart man. That well, sounds I'm, dirty. I am not going to pick Black Magic because it started before the new year. Um, oh. but I am Pitch Planet stick... was from 2014, but we'll... <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> but I'll stick with the black theme. I'm, I'm just going to hang up right now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to go with Black Road. Um, Very nice. Oh, yeah. yeah. I think the third issue's out now. It's been, you know, Magnus and kind of getting off on the road here with Brian Wood is always a good story. So, yeah, Black Road is has been the, the newest series, I think, that has started this year. Otherwise, I was doing the same thing James was, and I was kind of like, all right, what am I reading? Well, Paper Girls, nope, that started in 2015. Uh, yep, Black Magic 2015. So, yeah, for me, Black Road. Oops. <laughs> it's okay, James. Some of us live in 2016, some some don't. Hey, we Dude, l- I live in the 80s. <laughs> we let Kyle list four things for <laughs> one of the categories. So, Kyle, Kyle, what's the best new series of this of this year so far? Ah, uh, that would be the fix. Oh, I knew that was coming. <laughs> Imagine that the book that I've given my book of the week for three different months is my favorite new series. I uh, really enjoy it. Uh, the characters are really, really likable. Um, the humor is there, and uh, I love the story. Ditto. Um, favorite single issue, guys, from Image. Hey, I can do this one. Um, the Ed Brubaker criminal mm. 10th anniversary one shot. Oh. That was yeah. awesome. Anything Brubaker does is he's never written anything that was even average. I think everything he's done is above average. And so a new criminal one shot coming out, it's it for me, it's just a no brainer. Uh, and Sean Phillips, 64 pages of art. That's it. I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> that was a close one for me, but I actually went with black magic. Number five partly because um, we start to really get into the magic side of things with um, the way the characterizations are plotting out. We've got both the police precinct work and then uh, with Rowan and her her, uh, partner whose wife is pregnant. So you know that that's going to come into play somehow with some of the the home and protection things that she's working on for him. And then you've got the magic side, the Wiccan, and I can't remember off the top of my head who the uh, who the high priestess of their little order is, but trying to figure out who who is after Rowan um, 
and you see her kind of get into a battle and then it ends with this huge cliffhanger with this table of whatever they are. I'm not too sure what they are right now, basically saying she's ready and and then to go on this extended break for Wonder Woman was just a killer, but still such a wonderful issue. It it just really left me salivating for more. So Black Magic number five. Kyle? Um, I have the fix number one, but since we've been talking about the fix, I, I really enjoyed the spectacle of Walking Dead 150. I mean, we got a little bit of stuff happened there, but just what that issue meant and was and the different covers and everything... Uh, just my favorite thing that came out from Image was that 150th issue of Walking Dead and just what it was and how far I'd gotten and, and that whole event. Yeah. Yeah, that was cool. Uh, I gave it to No Mercy number 9. This is uh, a book that was written by Alex DeCampi with art by Carla Speed McNeil. And this was this story in particular was about a girl who... Her, her parents tried to um, fix the gay away from her, <laughs> out of her, by sending her off to this this uh, camp. And uh, she goes through some uh, horrible abuse while she's there. And you're reading this story with this uh, of this girl, and uh, bad things happen, you know. And at the end, it there's just like a laundry list. If, I don't know if you've seen the movie Spotlight. But there's just this laundry list of, of kids' names that have been sent to these camps and died in them. And it's all these real people's names where where these camps or, or groups or organizations have actually um, killed uh, these kids trying to, to change them. And it was an incredibly powerful standalone story and a, and a pretty darn good series anyway. But it, it, it was, it was really amazing. Came back, it came out back in April, and it's it's really it's something I think about occasionally because it's just it was just such a really strong book and um, made me really appreciate that this this series all the more and makes me want to continue to support that because of what a good job she did on this issue. It was really really great. Kind of a downer pick. Yeah, no um, kidding. who's your favorite writer at image james money bags uh robert kirkman Mm -hmm. i mean well i I actually you know what i'll go with uh i'll go with brubaker um because i do love kirkman on walking dead and i I am i will admit i have not read very much of outcast um and invincible sort of comes out sporadically now yeah uh but I love Kirkman, but I mean, I'll go with Brubaker because, again, everything he does is is just A-game stuff. So um, I'm going to have to give it to him. I even really liked, I know some people were split on the wrap-up of Fade Out, but I, I really like that, too. So Yeah, it was good. Well, dang you. I was going to say Brubaker. <laughs> oh! So I guess with that being said, I'll, uh, I'll go with Greg Rucka. Um, you know, Lazarus, Black Magic, the guy can just create worlds and really get you pulled into what he's writing um just phenomenal books coming out of him right now so I, i'll i'll go with uh, greg rucka since my original choice of ed brubaker was picked sorry that's okay <laughs> guile uh ruck was on my list but since he's taken i'm going to go back to bkv and until somebody takes it away from him it's his <laughs> to keep going with uh-huh good call 
I'm gonna give it to Robert Kirkman. I I came late on the Invincible train, but that's a good one-two punch between Invincible and Walking Dead. Really strong. And Outcast is all right. It's great. It's great. <laughs> <laughs> Who's the your favorite uh, image artist? Uh, I'll go with Sean Phillips. Just uh, tack on to the to the Brubaker uh, pick for the writer because. Again, those those two guys when they're whenever they work together, anything they do is just it's going to be the best stuff on the stand when it comes out. So, um, yeah, so go with Sean Phillips or yeah, Sean Phillips. I have to go with Nicola Scott. Um, she not a shock. You're right. She is has this unique ability to draw women, especially just amazingly beautiful without over sexualizing them. And her clever way of adding color in black magic to the scenes where magic is being used to draw emphasis to them is really, really well done. And the way that she shades everything, to me, in the book, you don't even realize that there's an absence of color. Uh, whereas like with Walking Dead, it's very black and white. And to have the heavy shading that she does is just gorgeous. So um, I'm going to go with Nicola Scott and also add the caveat that I am very much looking forward to her year one uh, based work with Rucka on Wonder Woman. Kyle? I'm going to sneak two in again on this one. So I want to give a little bit of love to Greg Ticini for his art on low. I really like the art on low, but of course, um, Jamie McKelvey, thank you for coming back to Wicked and Divine. It doesn't get any better than that art. And, of course, when you talk about that, you've got to say thank you, Matt Wilson, on collar. Because that book has beautiful, wonderful art, and the collars just fly off the page. Yeah. Like all those. Um, uh, my favorite artist at Image, though, is, is still Fiona Staples. And uh, I had to give Saga a little bit of love because it's it, it's great week, month in, month out. Um, and uh, I, I love her art. I just love it. I gotta throw a, I gotta throw one more name out there since I only picked one. <laughs> um, I, I would give my runner up to Cliff Chang for Paper Girls. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's yep. great. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's it's just that perfect Cliff Chang style, and you know everything from the down to earth to the crazy aliens is just uh, it's a visual treat. So he's he was my second runner up, and I wanted to make sure he got called. And you know, uh, Paper Girls was losing me for a while. And then this last issue got you right back. Oh man, it's got me hook, line, and sinker. It's awesome. It was awesome. That jump to the modern time and the yeah. whole like, how do mm-hmm. we afford this TV? <laughs> that was it was so great. Because I there for a while, I, I just said, what is going on? Where is this thing headed? And but it was really really strong. How dare you not trust Brian K. Vaughn? Right. I don't, I don't know. You know what? We talked about BKV. We forgot to mention one thing that came out. I think it was. Was it in print this year? Maybe it was the end of last year. Private Eye, the digital comic that got printed. Oh, yeah, that's right. I think it did get printed. Well, no, it got printed for Christmas, didn't was it? Was it for Christmas? Yeah, it was for Christmas. I think so, yeah. 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 Anyone good. out there who missed picking that up, you need to go get that. And uh, But I think he did do the um, did Barrier this year on Panel Syndicate. That is that done, one. or is he still doing that? Just issue one is the only okay. one that's out. And Walking Dead the Alien. Yep. Yes, I did watch. I did. I like that too. Um, book you wish more people read from Image. Anything 
Brubaker, just because I'd like to be able to talk to more people about it. <laughs> Although we did get um, we did get a couple of uh, local business owners, uh, some guys that we run the pub trivia with in town. Uh, we've got them both hooked on Brubaker, so it's cool because they'll come in every every once in a while and pick up um, whatever the new Brubaker book is, like the the criminal one shot, and they'll read that and. Then, you know, maybe the next day they'll just walk down and be like, "Oh my god, I just just finished reading Criminal." Man, it's uh, I love it. And then they wipe and, your tab uh, away for in exchange for trade paperbacks. Well, I don't ask for that, but if it happens, you know, <laughs> right? If that happens to us, we, we don't smile complain. and we don't question it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, for me, I am going to say Autumnland's Tooth and Claw, very similar to the Astro City that you called out, Drew. It's a Kurt Busiek book. Mm-hmm. Um, it is, it's definitely one of the books that I, I absolutely look forward to reading. And, uh, Kurt is an awesome guy to chat with. And I email him on a semi-regular basis and just kind of say, you know, man, this, this book is just getting better and better. It got, there was a couple of fuzzy issues. Um, shortly after the trade break, I was kind of like, all right, where are we going? But now all of a sudden we're picking up steam again, um, heading into the next trade break. So, I, I really wish that more people would get on the Autumnlands Tooth and Claw book because uh, the kind of the anthropomorphic, uh, the different beings and the different caste system that they have and the, the magic that gets built in, it's, it's just very clever and it's obviously very well thought out, well plotted and planned. And um, Benjamin Dewey's art is great. And Jordi mm-hmm. Belair, I mean, she must color half of books being printed <laughs> nowadays. I mean, she is just a beast. But She must um, not sleep. Yeah, either that or she's cloned. Maybe that's the maybe that's what it is. But uh, yeah, it, it's a it's a great book. Um, I wish I do wish more people would read that so that I could talk to them about it. Do you? I really love the first arc, mm-hmm. and then I the, the this second arc is kind of drug for me. Um, do you do you like it just as well? I the first couple issues drug for me as well, but the last two issues have really started to pick up steam, and I think there's two more before we go into the next trade break that Mm -hmm. are coming out so yeah it it was a little slow to get back going but i think part of that too was just the the time yeah you know you you were you read five issues and kind of really got going and then all of a sudden we took was like four months or five months off before the next one came out so that was kind of that was a little bit of a killer so what i ended up doing actually after i read the two issues six and seven i think back from the trade break or seven and eight whatever it was I went and grabbed um, the first six, read them again, read the seven and eight, and all of a sudden it kind of it kept the pace going when I got my next one. So uh, it's picking up for me and again, but it's it's still a great story. I mean, a, a slow Busick story is better than probably eighty-five to ninety percent <laughs> of the books that are out there, anyways. <laughs> yes, yes, exactly. Kyle, what's yours? Um, Rat Queens, Lazarus, Rumble, Nailbiter. You pick one. They're all under ordered. <laughs> you know that the truth is that everything but Walking Dead and Saga could be on this list from Image because none of them sell well enough. But um, for me, it is Manifest Destiny, written by Chris Dingus, uh, art by Matthew Roberts, beautiful art, beautiful colors by Owen Gianni, um, the reinterpreted revisionist history of Lewis and Clark's exploration and uh, with monsters and zombies and great ending splash pages and uh, this is a part of skybound imprint and is just a beauty to behold and uh, another great book that nobody reads 
sadly. Um, now, what I'm super curious about is, is some of the other publishers that sell well in your store and uh, some of the things that you like. So what's your hottest other publisher uh, seller there, other titles there? Well, our hottest independent book uh, is actually one that might surprise you guys, but I am a big, big proponent of Valiant, and we pushed the heck out of Bloodshot Reborn when it came out. One of the main reasons is last year at C2E2, um, we talked with pretty much all the top Valiant guys, and they were really, really cool. They laid out their plan for Valiant and why we should buy into Valiant as a company. And the book that they used to do that was Bloodshot Reborn, which is, I think, one of the best book, books on the market right now. If you guys have, if you need something to, to get you into checking the book out, yeah. look at the double page spread for Bloodshot Reborn number 10. The art is some of the most detailed interior art I think that's being put out right now. They are they have a really really great uh, winding lineup of of artists. They have uh, Louis Larosa, Butch Geis, um, Marco Suyan. Not sure how to pronounce his name, but the cool thing with this book is it's it starts out as a very very um, kind of self contained small uh, almost crime story. Like it it sort of put me in the vein of. Uh, a Brubaker or Rucka story, and then it starts tying in to the to the larger Valiant universe as it goes on. But it it's definitely got kind of a gritty um, vertigo feel to it, and we've pushed that on on a lot of our customers. And we've had a lot of people that have dropped entire pull lists but still keep Bloodshot Reborn. So it, it's a book that has really hooked a lot of people, and and we would definitely recommend it to anybody. Now. I am not interested in uh, another shared universe that I have to kind of be all in and try to f to keep track of what's going on continuity wise. Can I just read that and enjoy it? Yeah, you can. And thus far, any of the crossovers that they've done, uh, they've they've had bloodshot in. There'd be a, t a tie in one shot. So right now they've got the four thousand one AD event. And there's a 4001 AD bloodshot mm -hmm. one shot that ties into it, uh, so you can keep reading the core book, and you're you're not really going to lose anything if they have a giant, giant event book out. So at the very least, pick up the first trade. I think is uh, 9.99, and it's it's a heck of a good book. I would totally recommend it. Yeah, I I keep trying, Valiant. Keep hoping one of them will click with me. So I'll, I'm going to try that because I think I tried Faith. I tried that Archer and Armstrong reboot. Um, before that, I, I probably haven't read anything since before that. Well, since, uh, and those are both light, pretty lighthearted series yeah. in, in a way. And, you know, Archer and Armstrong's Goofy Faith is sort of a, um, almost a feel-good book. And the art reflects that. With Bloodshot Reborn, like I said, it, it's a gritty, yeah. gritty-feeling book. So it, it may be a little bit more mature and would probably appeal to you a little bit more. Okay. I will check that one out. That sounds cool. Eric? Yeah, I for the the hottest seller stuff, I think James kind of kind of hit it for the shop. Uh I will add in though, the one thing that Valiant did that kind of ticked me off was uh I got into Divinity and I was reading it and enjoying it and then the last issue, the first arc and they start bringing in the entire friggin' universe and I was like, I'm done. I'm out. I don't yeah. want this. So that really bait and switch, huh? Oh, it pissed me off. But um, 
I, I will echo James' sentiments, though. We not only did we did he meet the Valiant folks, we also met them at C2E2. Um, they are very responsive to anything that we send to them. They want us to succeed with their books, and obviously any publisher would, but they don't force it on us in a way that is insulting, and they're telling us how to sell their books best. There's a self-published creator out there who will not be named who spent 10 minutes telling us how the best way to sell his books would be, and that's basically to just plaster our register with his books, and I don't need that because, quite honestly, there's better books that I can put there to sell. Um, but Valiant, they're very, I think they they present themselves very well. They have a keen eye towards quality, and um, I will echo James' sentiments on Bloodshot Reborn. I am not in the Valiant universe, but I do enjoy picking that um, book up from time to time and reading it. It is a little bit more intense than some of those other ones, and, and I like that. So, yeah, Drew, you should check that out. I think you might like it. Very cool. Now, did you were you did you have the store when they were doing that um, limited series incentive variant series? <laughs> the Book of Death and the yeah, the Geomancer. yeah, Legend of the Geomancer. Yep, yep. yep we that was. Uh, did you have anybody know, six, that said, "Here's fifty bucks for that first one"? I want it. We sure as hell did. We actually, we've. I think we sold three of them. Get we sold out two. of here! No, I'm dead serious. Uh, two of them we sold out of the store. And we sold one at a show that we were set up at, and then I kept a copy for myself. And uh, we we made our I'll put it this way: we made our cost back on buying the hundred copies of Book of Death by selling those three books. I think that actually put us well into profit. Have you sold through those extra copies of Valiant? Oh my book? God, no! I've got. <laughs> I have a short box in the basement full of just Book of Death for, from one through four. Uh, uh, it, but you know what? I liked it. I thought it was a, it was a good series. But uh, yeah, it was a gimmick series with the amount of variants in that variant mini series. So what can you say? I but applaud the their thing, inventiveness. Well, and the one thing I'll say about it is the production quality on that Book of Death. Those thick covers and the I mean that was a nice presentation. Yeah, heavy stock wide. Stock. Oh my gosh, that was nice. Oh, so I'll give him credit for that. That's really cool. Kyle, anything for you you want to add to this? Uh, yeah, as far as the secondary market, Power Rangers with its zero issue and its issue number one uh, was a great flip opportunity. A little wonky how exactly you got all the different covers for zero and wasn't as clear as I'd like it to have been when that first rolled out. And of course, my ability to try to get them all. Uh, but some good money to be made there. It's slowed off as the series is going on, but a great mm-hmm. secondary market book was that Power Rangers series. Yeah, we had a lot of people calling from from Milwaukee, from Madison, wanting to know if we had any, but what we had everyone calling to ask was, do you guys have any copies of the green or the white green ranger or white. cover? Mm-hmm. And if so, you're not marking it up, are you? And <laughs> Well, no, we didn't get any. But we had a ton of people calling, wanting to come pick it up at three ninety nine. Wanted to and, get it for cover, <laughs> right? Exactly. People we'd never, heard, we've never seen before, and probably will never hear from again. Um, just calling around. Everybody was getting in on the spec game with that book, and yep. we got. I think we ordered. We didn't expect it to be as big of a hit as it was, so I think we ordered uh, about ten copies, and we didn't get any of the green or white. Yeah. So yeah, red, All blue, yellow ranger. <laughs> I think we've actually we got, got a more, couple blue, we got more red than anything. Hmm. Yeah. Yep. Um, where are we at? Favorite series, is that right? Yeah, favorite series. 
other well, publishers. Yeah, I'll jump in on that. For me, I, I've got a tie. Um, James Bond from Dynamite has been really good. Warren Ellis. Uh, oh. It's it's a little bit of a departure from kind of the suave and you know sexy looking James Bond, getting right back to the the, the man, the mystery, the grit. Um, not mincing words, you know, heavy action. And uh, I tend to be tentative with Warren Ellis because I end up getting on a book and I enjoy it for three issues and then it just strays off into this meadow and never seems to come back. But for this one, he actually, he wrapped up Varga really well. So um, got the next, I think the first issue of the next arc that's in my stack to read. Um, So that's one. And then the other one, which started late last year, is Claws from Boom. Oh yeah, um, so Grant good. Morrison, Dan Mora, holy Moses! I mean, I you know you knew there was going to be that Grant Morrison acid trippy scene, and it came right away in the end of that first issue with the uh... and, yeah, and that was pretty much it. <laughs> it got... and, and that's been it so far. And yeah. and oh my gosh, it's that has been a heck of a story. Um, you guys commented on, I think it might have been you, Drew, that commented, "Geez, it would have been great to have this all buttoned up and ready for Christmas," but. You know, it's been coming out every six weeks ish, mm-hmm. so it'll be in trade for this next Christmas, and I am probably going to end up getting four or five of these to give out because it is it has been a very very enjoyable series, a great take on the Santa Claus lore, and um, a little extra depth to it in that uh, in the way that Grant is doing it. It's there's been similar takes in both novel and other graphic forms, but. I think it's going just a bit farther, and I like it. It's been really, really compelling to read. Yeah, we've got one more single issue. Then they can put out a nice hardcover. Yep. Then they can put out a nice trade, and they'll all be ready to go for this Christmas. And that'll be that'll be sweet. That'll be a fun gift to give, I think. And I'm waiting for my... Uh, I, I did order for myself the special black and white pencils that Dan Moore did. I think it was issues one and two. It was like a fourteen ninety nine cover price, but it was I an oversized. That, yeah. yeah, I'm waiting for that to come in because the artwork has, has equally matched, if not maybe surpassed a little bit, the writing mm-hmm. in some areas. It's just been, been really well done. All right, James, don't let me down. I know where you're going to go with this. You and, Do ya? you? You and me, buddy. We're, we're, we, we love this series. Come on. Cross plus 100? Yeah, there you go. Was that where you're going to go? I was going to go with the regular, with Cross okay. Badlands. but uh, Okay. Um, well, I, yeah, I would go with Plus 100. Um, the Alan Moore run, I thought, kicked off kind of slow, but he was doing a lot of world building. And then it hit that fifth issue, and things just kind of it went nuts. It was, it was just crazy. I loved it. Um, now, when you I, first I, started I, reading Plus 100 and the, the language... Was it like just yeah. you thought? What is going on here? Well, it was. I knew it was Alan Moore doing what he does best. I remember reading the lead up to it, a bunch of interviews with him where he talked about he had written like a two hundred page Bible for the Cross series and how everything from like how fun. It's Garth in, Ennis, though, right? No, that that was Alan Moore doing doing that. Cross plus one hundred. Okay, Ennis, but Ennis started crossed. Yeah, Ennis started Cross. He did the original but, miniseries. But you're saying Alan Moore did a 200-page Bible for the Plus 100. Correct. Oh, correct. interesting. He, he wrote this giant book, which was basically a guide for himself. For Ever since the, the Cross outbreak, in the 100 years in between that, this is what happened. And he, I mean, he did minutia from, in this small geographic section, this is what the, the plant life would be like now without humans around. 
Um, it was really, really, really incredibly detailed. And so I remember reading that he passed on a lot of that information and those details to the guy who's doing the art. So there was a lot to find in every panel. I don't want to say it was like Watchmen thick with the references, but every every little item that was placed in the panel was there for a reason because Alan Moore had written these gigantic scripts for each issue. Um, so when he left the series with issue six, I was not sure where the book would go, but um, the guy who took over is Cy Spurrier. Yeah. Yeah. And um, he's been doing a great job. He did uh, Cross Wish You Were Here, that webcomic. Yeah. Which was also great. Also and so good, he yeah. picked yeah, he picked it up and I really love the direction that they're going with it. And um, the cool thing I, I think about plus one hundred is that it's not violence just for violence sake, like a lot of the cross stories tend to be. And this is was violent and and uh, Wish You Were Here was certainly violent, but they were both really really great psychological horror stories and i think too many cross stories end up just being almost kind of you know splatter porn um for no real so reason anymore. uh i don't think no i don't think badlands has for the last couple of arcs but i think um there have been some people like lapham stuff i thought was was always kind of oh yeah disposable and a little too uh, you know, let's let's see how like in what what's the most creative way we can kill this person, and then the twist is that the person doing the killing is not a cross, you know, and that the people that are alive are worse than the cross. And anyway, one hundred kind of jettisoned that, and it's going in a really really interesting direction, uh, where they're almost trying to work with these evolved, advanced crossed and. It's it's not going in the direction that you would expect it to go in. So I've been really impressed with the book. Yeah, yeah, it's good. Who's next? Eric? Nope, I went first. I had James Bond and Claws. Oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> James, you can give your actual pick that you wanted before Drew bullied <laughs> you into doing the cross. No, that's I've got that written down right now on our, on our, uh, our OneDrive document. So go ahead. Um, I also had Klaus, but since that one's already taken, I want to say I'm still ashamedly a big fan of the new revamped Archie series. Um, so I, oddly enough, still look forward to Archie every single time it comes out. Still enjoying even the Veronica Fish art. So still like an Archie. Mm-hmm. And I, I think I, I think I prefer the Cross Badlands series over 100, but they're both really good. And, uh, I enjoy the splatter porn portion of it. <laughs> I like some of it. I again, Lapham stuff always went a little too far. I thought, um, but the the Smoky arc, I like that they went back to him. He was always yeah, a good character. yeah. And like, look, that looks like that's what, where we're going to end for the next the next issue. We're going to end on Smoky and his his smart girls, kind of. Yeah. And uh, well, next week's previews is supposed to have the return of Garth Ennis to Cross. So also, it's not going to be going fingers. very long. No, no, he's coming back because normally they would do every year they had that sea uh, day where they would have Ennis jumping back on, and um, they they skipped it this year. They used to send cross masks out to comic stores, and um, they they kept pushing it back. And he's going to do a sixteen issue series called Once a Warrior King, which apparently is supposed to be like the the final. Not final, because I'm sure they'll milk it for all it's worth, but it's supposed to be like his final word on Cross. So I'm looking forward to that. Uh, 
Uh, Kyle, if you ever know, thought there was a know, bigger cross fan in the world, <laughs> you now know there is. Uh, They're not awesome. allowed to be in the same room together. Uh, no. Well, when you guys come up to to the Milwaukee area, we'll just let them go talk cross for an hour and we'll go do something productive. <laughs> I love it. I love it. <laughs> All right. Best new series. Other publisher. Um, well, we, we kind of talked about my wife just got home. Uh, we kind of talked about uh, Valiant, and I actually really liked Archer and Armstrong. I thought it was, um, I thought it had a, a, a nice bit of humor to contrast what Bloodshot offered. Um, I, I thought the first issue came out pretty strong and has has kept up the high quality ever since. Mm-hmm. So I would go with Archer and Armstrong. Okay. I am going to go with Brutal Nature. Ooh. This is a book that I don't think very many people are aware of or are no. getting. Uh, it's a kind of a historical look in Colombia of the Spaniards coming to basically take over Colombia. And the story circles around a Colombian native named Each, who is able to turn himself into a number of different beasts or monsters by putting on different masks. Um, there's two issues out right now. It's a four-issue miniseries. And it's being written by Luciano Saracino, Saracino uh, and the art is by Ariel Olivetti. And many people know who Olivetti is and, and a lot of the work mm-hmm. that's been done. It's just, it's very, very striking. Um, the storytelling is a little bit different because it is supposed to be somewhat of a historical uh, take, but then also with this added fantasy of the masks and turning from, basically each is kind of like this... Uh, if you look at him, you wouldn't think he's a very uh, opposing-looking figure. He's not very big. He's obviously muscular because he's you know, living out in the wild in the jungle. But uh, when he puts on these masks, he can become these big bears and um, you know, jaguars and things like that. So he becomes these big beasts. And he's basically, the Spaniards are trying to invade. They're trying to take over Colombia. And they're kind of laughing all along the way, scaring locals and saying you know geez what do you have you're not going to really fight us or push us back you don't have guns you've got nothing and then each comes out with these masks on and scare starts scaring them away and he's trying to protect the uh the land so it's it's a really um, interesting story the writing is not really heavy storyline driven it's more pieces of different um, different sections of day-to-day life um but it's it's very interesting, and I I'm kind of a history guy on the side. I really do like different aspects of history all around the world and how different empires grew or failed, things like that. So I've really gotten into it, and Olivetti's art is fantastic. There's two covers to each book. There's kind of a standard cover, and then there's a variant subscriber cover that has really cool, uh, old looking art style. I guess I'd say old looking because it looks vintage. It's on kind of a um, different paper style color as opposed to just the plain white and they're pictures of a mask and then what um, each turns into the the character that he turns into in the book and i find those to be really cool so uh, i've really enjoyed the first two issues and looking forward to the the second two that are going to come out for this one so for me it's it's brutal nature and that that's idw kyle and you've been looking for an idw book to call your own there you go um that sounds really good it's it's really cool I'm, i'm interested to see how they wrap it up I, yeah, I can. the The cover does look a little. I can see why we would have passed on it, Kyle. I remember mm. seeing that now. The main yeah. one or the sub cover? The number number one issue. Uh, look, look for the number one sub cover. Okay. 
I'll do that later. Yeah, 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 yeah. totally. <laughs> Kyle, what's your best new uh, series? Uh, new series, Black Eyed Kids from Aftershock Comics. I've really enjoyed that through three now. Um, it's just creepy and super well done. Mm-hmm. And I think I know what's going on, but they may pull the wool, the wool over my eyes. We'll see, but uh, Black Eyed Kids. Oh. Did you ever listen to Art Bell as a kid? I did not. <laughs> oh, I, you know, somewhere coast in to time. Coast <laughs> yeah, where they where the people would call in when I worked third shift, they would always I'd listen to Coast to Coast, and it was all the people that would call in. Yesterday, I had some black-eyed kids try to jimmy their way into my car at a stop sign. They were they had no souls. So anytime I see that, I think of uh, my old third shift with uh, the kooks that would call in at two a.m. <laughs> <clears throat> Uh, for me, it is Super Zero by Jimmy Palmiotti and Amanda Connor from Aftershock. This has been super fun and uh, really surprised how much I liked it. It's um, really great, and uh, you should definitely check this out. Oh, I completely forgot about Aftershock. Oh, <laughs> you can't forget about Aftershock. All right, Kyle, say yours, and if you don't say the other one that I would say from Aftershock, we got to call it out. <laughs> All right. I was, was going to say, I did my Aftershock Black Eyed Kids, and that's all I had. Okay. Um, yeah, the other one that I would call out is Rough Riders. Yeah, oh, no doubt. Rough Riders is so good. Yeah. I <laughs> can't I believe I forgot it. about that. Oh, my gosh. Um, favorite single issue from another publisher? I can start that one. I would go... It's actually kind of a tie uh, between two Avatar books. One of them would be... Uh, Providence eight, and the other would be Providence nine. Have either of you guys, any oh, of you guys, been reading Providence? Providence is so good. It is. It is incredible. Talk about a dense book. It's so detailed. Uh, the yeah. It, who's the artist it, on that man? It's amazing. It's Jason Burroughs. Yeah, our cross guy. Oh yeah. yeah. Well, she's yeah. not crossed again. I know. I know. <laughs> it's yeah. Uh, I mean this awesome. this book in in some ways is even more messed up than Crossed is. Uh, in issue eight where they had that weird body switching scene. I don't think that was that one yet. Okay. Um, everything he did, every issue of the book that comes out makes me go back and reread every issue that has come before. You can't read, you can't read Providence in bed late at night. Like I like to read comics because you have to study it and slowly turn the pages. (laughs) It's amazing. It's going to make a really, really great annotated, gigantic bookshelf volume. Oh, yeah. Um, but I, I would go with, with Providence 8 or 9 just because each each issue has probably taken – I joke that Walking Dead is a five-minute read, and it's a great book. Providence can be about a 45-minute read <laughs> yeah. because in addition to, to the actual – the paneling telling the story, there are no ads in this book. Every single page is devoted to some sort of – it's very much like Watchmen – where after the book or the, the story ends, maybe the last four pages that would usually be ads, it's something where Alan Moore has has written a letter um, that from from the perspective of one of the characters in the book, and then there's a a journal that one of the characters was keeping, and you read this stuff, and it just he's got things so layered that every single issue is sort of a, a full experience. It's really really good. Yes top that eric <laughs> boom um, headshot <laughs> for me i'm gonna go with revisionist number one. Oh, it's been hmm. 
you know, the first issue came out. It's by Fred Van Lente. It's uh, it's one of those books where I don't know where it's quite going to go, but the the first book that we get, it's, it's good, man. I think it's going to be really good. It's uh, how much did you want them, the 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 got the prisoner and the guard to live happily ever after? That first, <laughs> I was like, oh look at that, he's going to get out. They're going to go get a drink. Yep, and I was rooting for him from like page four. It was amazing. Yeah, I think I just said uh, Fred Van Lente. It's Frank Barbieri. I, I misspoke on that, but yeah, mm. it it really <laughs> kind of uh, you know, it got me kind of jonesing to get the next issue in my hands. So it's going to be interesting. Um, it's Gary Brown doing the art, and he's also doing one of the other books I called out, Black Road, uh, and he's done the massive. So he's, he's the got massive. some work out there as well. But yeah, the, for me, I think it's going to be. It could be has the makings to be one of those. Um, kind of Brian Wood or BKB type series where you just really get hooked on it and you keep going. So um, I'm looking forward to seeing what what Revisionist number two looks like. Mm-hmm. Kyle, I'm going to say Devolution number one. I loved that first that issue good. of that series, um, a dynamite book, um, and just the world they created and and what it was and what I thought it was going to be going in. Uh, that one really stands out, and it came out in January. It's still in the back of my skull, and I, I really enjoyed Devolution number one. Did you like issue six? No. Or five? What was the ending? Was it five or six? Six, six was the finale. Yeah, I didn't either. Didn't either. So good up to that point, though. Mm-hmm. Uh, for me, it's four kids walk into a bank, number one, from Black Mask. Mm. Uh, this was just really had some laugh-out-loud stuff. It was really engaging, a, kind of a Goonies feel to it. I really dug it. It was really well-conceived. Well and um, Waiting on issue two. <laughs> Should be out any time now. <laughs> anytime this year. Anytime. Anytime. Um, who's your favorite writer from another publisher? That's an easy one. Jeff Lemire. He who writes Bloodshot Reborn. Ah. So there's another reason to pick it up. Jeff Lemire is writing it. Yeah, for me, I am kind of going Homer on Claws, and I'm going to say Grant Morrison. Um, there's great Grant Morrison. There's good Grant Morrison. And then there's, I don't know what the F you're doing, Grant Morrison. And this is we definitely... call that Alan Moore Grant Morrison. <laughs> this, is, this is the great Grant Morrison. Yeah. Kyle? Um... I'm kind of not real sure on that one. There's several things I've quite enjoyed. I enjoyed the Grant Morrison, of course, on Klaus. Um, or Klaus. Uh, Brian Wood was driving, uh, was writing something uh, that I, I has slipped from what he was writing that was in the other publisher's column this week. Then you you get it incomplete. I get it incomplete on that one. To, <laughs> I'm actually you, okay you had with 45 that. answers for the, F, yeah. the the category before and zero here. Okay. He, he got well you ahead. Couldn't image, spread you them around a, a little off. bit. <laughs> okay, yeah, it, it, that's what it was. Okay, yes, it is Brian Wood and uh, his combination of uh, Eve Valkyrie and Rebel. Rebel. Oh, uh, Eve oh. Valkyrie was fantastic. I am not a video game guy, but James, you remember me talking to you about this? That those four issues were awesome. Mm-hmm. Very cool. Yeah. yeah. So when I when I thought of that, I thought, well, maybe I'm wrong because what I was looking at other than I'm like, well, that's image, image. Wait, what was it? Aha! There is the other publisher stuff he did. Was that Dark Horse that he did Eve Valkyrie for? Yes, it was. Yeah. Um, I gave it to Mark Wade for making me care about Archie. 
Good job, Mark. You're pretty <laughs> good. Um, who's your favorite artist over at another publisher? Well, I'm I assuming there's got to be somebody else in this podcast here who reads the uh, the Dark Horse Alien and Predator stuff. Um, I'm going to go with the artist Tristan Jones. Uh, he's doing Alien Defiance with Brian Wood writing that one, and um, it's a it's a great book. I'm on a couple Alien message boards. And my favorite Alien, Aliens is my favorite movie, and I own all the comics and just about any expanded universe stuff that's ever been made. My favorite old Aliens book, comic, was uh, Aliens Labyrinth by Killian Plunkett. And so when they announced this book uh, on these message boards, we were talking about Aliens Labyrinth, and I said, well, you know, if this Defiance book is, is anything like Labyrinth, I will... I will be happy. And the artist came on the message board and said, Killian Plunkett is my single biggest influence in the way that I draw comics. You'll be very happy. And he was not kidding. It is a great book. He's doing a great job. And he's drawing aliens the way that I want to see them drawn. So I have to give it to Tristan Jones. Okay. Cool. Yeah, and I'm uh, I'm glad, Drew, that you had said Aftershock because... I'm going to go with Pat Oliffy, I think is how it's pronounced, the uh, artist for Rough Riders. Mm -hmm. uh, it, it's a great oh, old yeah. Western look with kind of a steampunky twist, mm -hmm. and uh, it does a really good job of nailing the likenesses of a lot of those historical figures like Roosevelt, Houdini, Annie Oakley, but without making it photorealistic. Um, so you can still see that there's some artistic talent there, but it's actually it's it's just a really pleasing to the eye. So I'm going to go with... with We'll call him Pat. I'm going to go with Pat from Rough Riders. Kyle? Uh, Dan Mora on Klaus. I've been impressed with the art on every single issue of that. I think it's great. Love the line work and especially some of the big spreads he does when uh, Klaus is on the roof of the city mm -hmm. and you can just kind of overlook everything. It's great. And we've gotten one issue of Strange Fruit from J.G. Jones, issue three, and I <laughs> consistently love the art on that book, but uh, I'm going to need more work from that one. Yes. That, that um, is a good series. Whoever I had in this category has been thrown away for Jason Burroughs on Providence because I had forgotten how amazing <laughs> that art is. So that's that's definitely the my favorite artist. Uh, that's just amazing. It's a good stuff. pick. Good pick. Yeah. And but I've he, met him. He's a very nice guy. Is he? Uh, yeah. Really cool. I, I felt was, like a, when I met him, I felt like kind of a dick because he was at the Avatar booth, and this is this is when the the original series came out, and uh, I was talking to him. I was like, I really like that cross book. Uh, Ennis is doing really a really great job, and he's like, well, "How about the art?" I was like, "Oh, that's pretty good too." He's like, oh, "I'm the artist." I was like, "Oh, I love the art." You know, and then, I, then I bought a copy of every issue and had him sign all. Of them, but, so I've always been a big big supporter of Jason Burroughs after that gaffe. Quick recovery. <laughs> now, what's the book from another publisher that you wish more people read? This will be quick. Bloodshot Reborn. I'm done. Okay. <laughs> yeah, and I'm going to say Brutal Nature. Kyle? Klaus. I'm going to go with Scoriers from Devil's Do. Saw that coming. Yeah. <laughs> oh. Will somebody please read Scoriers besides me? Anyone? Anyone? Table for now, one. Now, is that the is that the book with art by Ashley Witter? Yeah. 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 I think she's a, she's a Chicago native. Yes. If I recall correctly, because I know I saw her at C2E2 and a couple other shows recently. Yeah, that's where I, I saw her and uh, Ash Masco, the writer, both there. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, very, very cool. 
Um, we've got a couple miscellaneous categories we wanted to talk about. Um, we've got our our hot publisher to watch um, from either a spec perspective on our end, or well, spec per- perspective from a retailer's end as well, or 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 maybe a, a, a publisher that's coming out of the woodwork now that uh, people are buying that weren't buying before. So just whatever whatever hot publisher to watch means to you. Yeah. So for us at the shop, the hot publisher right now is DC. We cannot keep Rebirth on the shelves. Everything is flying. People are adding it to their pull lists. Um, books that we didn't see people subscribing to before, like Green Arrow, that people really fell off of, they're jumping back on now. Um, so as Hell, far how as, about Aquaman? Yeah, we didn't have right. any... We had no Aquaman subscribers, and now we've got... I think we've sold 25 copies of Aquaman in a week. It's, it is amazing. Yep. So I'm, right. I'm going to say for, for our shop, it's probably DC. Uh, that was I was not expecting that. That's cool. Yeah, yeah it makes sense though. It makes perfect sense. Yeah, yeah. Kyle, is it um, is it aftershock for you? Yeah, it's aftershock for me. Of course, yep. DC's the the hot property to watch because just everything that's going on. But aftershock has impressed me with their lineup, what they're willing to give and get some, as many of the names as they can as far as creators and just put out really great books. So aftershock, I, I love what they're doing. I've never seen a small publisher. With a top to bottom lineup of top notch creators, good solid books. They all seem to be coming out on time. Uh, they seem to have momentum. Um, it, it's just out of the gate like that. Really impressive. And uh, maybe maybe not since the 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 image spinoff of the nineties have we seen something like this. I mean, what I do you guys think, um, spec-wise, right now? I mean, it, they came out of the gate strong, but where do you see 451 Media? They're going to have to prove that they can put a, a, a six-issue run and have it out in six months. They just oh, yeah. break story momentum on everything. There's not a single thing that comes out consistency, consistently <laughs> enough, and their stories suffer and their readers plummet like crazy. And probably not um, put out four number ones in the same week you need to stagger them a little bit uh because they're really they're out right now they've got nothing and mm-hmm. uh, uh it, it, it they out of sight out of mind right yeah i think the i think this previews that has one solicit for them yeah if i recall yeah. correctly yeah it's kind of kind of sad but you know, i love black, I... black mass did the same thing so yeah what do you got now on the, the topic of black mask i'm really curious what you guys think about the ridiculous amount of convention exclusive variants that they put out. I, I don't. I did not know that. So, yeah, oh, I, had, okay. I hadn't followed that as well. Yeah, they've got a lot of a lot of uh, exclusive convention variants. Like uh, they'll do one show and they'll put out a, a cover that's uh, got fifty copies. You know, and yeah. so you've got a lot of people. It, it's kind of a fetch quest to get all of these copies of of the same issue. Um, but unlike, you know, unlike a, a normal variant, it's a lot of them are incredibly hard to get. And I'm wondering if the black mask bubble is going to start bursting when people kind of get sick of having to track down one out of 50 variants because it's from this this show or San Diego or whatnot. So it's yeah, something I, to look into. I do drool over these super cool variants, but I I tend to not do more than buy the ones that are like under five bucks. <laughs> I tend to not spend the big money on variants, but I like to look. No, at them. that's a smart way to do it. 
Or your beauty secret variants. I, I tend to. I didn't say never have. <laughs> I did buy a convention variant from the beauty guys. That was kind of cool. <laughs> um, let's see. Uh, rising star, whatever that means to you. Uh, who's your rising star in comics? Well, our rising star is an existing publisher, but kind of an unorthodox pick, uh, mainly due to licensed properties. We have been selling a ton of Titan books lately. They put out uh, Dark Souls, mm-hmm. and we did not expect that to have the legs that it did. But it is—we're still selling copies of Dark Souls of the the second, or it might even be a third printing now off the shelf. And Assassin's Creed has been flying off the shelves like crazy too. So I think we um, we've got a hit on our hands with Titan, where you, with with Doctor Who, it's been kind of an okay seller. We haven't really carried a lot from them, but uh, with their video game license uh titles they've been they've been doing a great job selling a lot of books for us mm-hmm. look out for dishonored we just solicited that for august that one will be huge as well in the video game tie-in yeah i agree and uh just from the covers alone on that um that one's solicited as a four issue mini and i think that hurts it a little bit but that one's going to be huge as well mm-hmm. uh eric is that your you concur yep yeah, I think Titan with uh, Dark Souls, Assassin's Creed, and even the the bevy of Doctor Who titles. Um, the one thing that we've noticed in the shop, or at least I've noticed, and I, I think James, you picked up on it too, is Doctor Who goes through these peaks and valleys with the actual TV series. When it when it's on BBC America with a new series, a uh, new season, all of a sudden there's a flood of people coming in looking for stuff. It doesn't have to necessarily be the newest Doctor, uh, but it's a very peak and valley type thing. There's no... Mm-hmm heavy consistency with people coming in every month to get a Doctor Who book. So it's kind of a, a weird and fickle fandom to, to work with. Yeah, but they're Doc, nice people. So the, <laughs> they are. The Doctor Who customer base is sort of like, and I don't mean this as an insult, but I just mean as far as buying habits go, it is almost exactly the same as the buying habits of children's books because it doesn't matter what you have out. You could have 8th Doctor number 7 Ninth Doctor number four and eleventh Doctor number fifteen, and you'll have somebody come in and ask where Doctor Who stuff is, and you'll point over to the to the Doctor Who rack and direct them to where the product is, and they'll go over and they'll just grab it. It doesn't matter if it's if the issues they're grabbing are in the middle of a story. They're buying Doctor Who to to buy God get some Doctor Who, and they generally don't ever care. I mean, we could probably order only every other issue of Doctor Who and we would always sell out of it if we put it on the shelf. It's, it is very strange. It's really the only, like I said, other than kids' books, it's the only book that has any kind of sales pattern like that. That's crazy. It, yeah, Kyle, it's kind of different. Who's your rising star? Um, I have Max Landis written down because I just really want him to do more series, but he's going to be really, really difficult to get back into the comic book world because he just sold a Hollywood script for a, a record selling $3 million for a spec script on it. He's currently showrunner on Dirk Gently coming out for a TV series. So it's going to be tough to get him back in the comic book world, but I think he hit it out of the park with American Alien, and I hope he gets uh, DC just drags some money towards him and makes him write something else. Cool. I gave it to another Max, Max Bemis. Uh, he did a two-issue crossed arc yeah. about a, a comic book owner, <laughs> a comic book shop that uh, went horribly, horribly wrong in the crossed outbreak. Thought of you guys when I read that one. Oh, and, thank you. Uh, and um, he also wrote uh, The Worst X-Men Ever or something. like. Worst. It's a five-issue miniseries that 
that was really good. Came out of nowhere. Um, I think he's got a lot of promise as a writer, and maybe has written a lot of stuff that I just don't know. Uh, but he's really he's on the map for me, and I'm going to keep my eye out for anything else he writes because I really like his style. Here's where I prove how unhip I am. He is he's a a singer for a band. Is that right? Say anything. Yeah, the lead singer. Say anything. Okay. Okay. I know the John Cusack movie, and that's about it. <laughs> Uh, let's see the your your favorite miniseries. So ahead, far, James. I would go. Oh, thank you. So far, I would go with um, the Aliens miniseries that uh, Dark Horse is putting out. It's lived up to everything that I like. I said, I mean, both it's Brian Brian Wood writing it and and just great art influenced from the same story that I really liked. Um, if we if we give it to a, a series that came out last year that's still going uh providence but um aliens defiance providence would, would be one of the two mm-hmm. yeah and i think the i'll toss in uh even though it's still ongoing civil war two. that one's been a, a pretty steady seller uh we can't obviously put rebirth in because it's just a one-shot issue but civil war still has been steady as well not as flashy maybe as rebirth has been but sales are there people are digging it are you digging it I'm not reading it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm reading Silver Surfer, damn it. <laughs> yeah. yeah I'm, I'm sitting this one out, too. I'm done. Yep. Kyle? Uh, Batman and the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles from DC Comics, written by James Tynan IV, with art by Freddie Williams. I love the tone of it. I love it took it seriously. It was a great mini. It wrapped up. It was the perfect amount of issues. And um, hopefully they do some more with that. Uh, yep, that was a good one. And a shout out to Huck. You know, uh, Mark Huck, Millar Huck. gets a lot of crap, but Huck, it it of course is that what he's been doing lately, where it wraps up nicely and gives you a warm hug at the end. And Huck was great. Yeah. <laughs> um, if if Claus if Claus was over, I probably would have given it to that one. But um, since it's not, I'm going to give it to Superman American Alien because that was just great seven issues. Really enjoyed that. Um, your favorite free comic book day title or the most popular in your store? You want to hit this, Eric? You go, James, you go with the first one. I'll go with the second one. Okay. Um, we, the one that we ran out of almost right away sort of reflected what happened the day the actual book came out, which was the, uh, Steve Rogers, Captain America. Mm, And as everybody knows that sold out just about everywhere and people were doing really, really nice quick flips on that book. Um, but we, we went, um, I think we went through that long before we went through Civil War II and long before we went through Suicide Squad. So that should have been, uh, that should have been noticed right there. But, uh, that was just an unbelievable, uh, an unbelievable book that they put out. Everybody wanted it. Somehow it was the, uh, the second tier free comic book day book, but for whatever reason, it was the, the biggest one that everyone was after, at least by us. Yep, and then the other one that we had that did really well was Oddly Normal, which is through Image. It's written and drawn by Otis Frampton. Otis is uh, hes a good friend of the store. He came down for our World's Smallest Comic Con last year. He's got three trades out, and it is the perfect book to give a middle school girl, absolutely bar none. Uh, we, we are very much into supporting him for him supporting us, but even more than that, we're excited because he 
oddly was optioned for uh, for TV series, and it was actually I think in a unique situation where the company that picked it up decided rather than just pitching a concept to TV stations, they are in the final stages I believe of getting the animation and music all done for an actual um, mini short kind of pilot type snippet that they're going to take and show. So they they are really all in on this and. Um, it's a great book. It's one of those ones where we kind of show a few people and they instantly grab that first free comic book and they walked right over to the shelf and grabbed the first trade with it and came back within the next week or two and bought the second and third trade, which the third trade we've gotten three shipments of in now because we just haven't been able to keep it on the shelf. So um, that was the other big one for us. More of the kids selection uh, is, is oddly normal. Cool. Kyle? And Otis is a heck of a nice guy too. Oh my gosh, yes. If you see him at a con, go say hi. You will not be disappointed. Is that uh, how many issues of that is out? So it was 10 issues for the first trade and then um what he did was or no, it was 5 issues for the first trade, 5 issues for the second. He stopped doing the single issues. He worked with Image Comics and they made a decision that um the way that Oddly was selling, it sold better in trades. So it is switched over to an all trade uh, book now and the trades are essentially digestized yeah and they're essentially a chapter in oddly's story and if i remember right he's either got 15 or 20 chapters in his head and it is a finite series in in his creative world um, but he's got 15 or 20 of these that comprise oddly's story so there's three three books out now three trades out now and the fourth one, I think, is coming early 2017. The fourth one would be out 2017. So, um, yeah, that's so it's that's time to catch up. It is. You've got time to catch up. And uh, old guy could enjoy this. You think? I think so. I enjoy it. Cool. I I enjoy it too, and I read Crossed. So what does that <laughs> it's definitely I, a little we, gentler we should, than Crossed, but yeah. we should pitch Otis a oddly normal Crossed crossover i think that would go really well now you've got my interest maybe as good as an archie versus predator (laughs) well hopefully better than that one (laughs) please anything could be (laughs) Mm -hmm. kyle i didn't do much as far as the free comic book day um uh, some movement in value on the civil war 2 one and even a little bit on the dc superhero girls up a little bit there's some activity on those nice Um, what do you guys do when, when you're talking about um speculating on the free comic book day books what do you do to guarantee that you get a book that hasn't been stamped by the store i you know we last time we went was last year um and we just made the rounds from store to store all day long and i don't remember any of them stamping i don't think any of them were really okay okay just i'd say out here no i'd say out here about about 90 percent of the stores do now i deliberately left i think we we stamped about half of the books because we knew that we would have see i'm a collector at heart too so we we knew we'd have people coming in wanting the unstamped ones so we kept those aside and um we didn't but we actually i think we had maybe three people that came in deliberately asking for one that we hadn't stamped so huh i i didn't i've never noticed them kyle do you remember any i've never noticed stamps on almost any of them that we've, we've gotten no kidding okay Something to keep an eye out for. You know, yeah, maybe, maybe know. it's just that stamp technology hasn't gotten down to Ohio yet. I don't know. <laughs> Possible. We're out of ink. <laughs> uh, 
Yeah, I'm most. Ex- I mean, I haven't read any of my free comic book day books, uh, but I've got I'm your most pile here of some of them. I'm so excited. I'm most excited for the We Can Never Go Home Young Terrorists uh, Black Mask book. Uh, that's that's the one I'm most excited about. It's supposed to bridge the gap between uh, the first arcs and the second arcs of those books, and uh, uh, should be kind of cool. So I'm kind of psyched about that. Um, cool. Uh, I, I'm curious about your uh, your highest selling wall book of the last six months, or maybe uh, your your best flip where you're able to pull in a nice key issue. And put it on the wall and sell it for a tidy profit, um, if you're willing to talk about that. Oh, yeah. Sure, oh, sure. So we've got two. I'll do the modern one, and then James will do a Silver Age one. So last sure. last year at C2E2, the uh, retailer-exclusive book that was given out that was the big one was the Star Wars number one Luke Skywalker, Jonathan Tyler, Christopher Black and White Ooh. variant action yeah. figure. Whew, well, that, and it was given out at the Diamond uh, Retailer Appreciation Breakfast uh, Friday morning before C2E2 started. So you had to be a Diamond Retailer, and you had to uh, RSVP for this breakfast, and then you had to obviously attend the breakfast to get a copy of the book. And I think the estimate was that there were about 250 printed, but I'll jump back to you, Eric. Yeah, so so basically it, it was the black and white version of the Luke Skywalker book. Um, Jonathan Tyler Christopher was in attendance at C2E2. We got two of them. We walked him over. He was nice enough to sign them. We took them straight over to CGC, had, <laughs> had them um, go in, get graded, signature series. They both came back at 9.8 signature series books. And uh, so we had about $25 into each one, and we were blessed to be able to sell them at about $1,000 a piece. Wow. Yeah. yeah. And if, if I can add in for John Tyler Christopher, I'm sure you guys remember the uh, black and white Boba Fett variant of Star Wars that yeah. came out oh, last yeah. year. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Now, that was a C2E2 where he, they sold out in like an hour. And I remember refreshing my browser when they were supposed to go on sale. And then the, the damn uh, cart was broken. And by the time I finally got everything to work, they were all sold out. So I thought, okay, I'll go to get a couple copies from him for 20 bucks a piece there. And uh, by the time I got over to him uh, with our loot covers, there were already a bunch of pissed off people in line because he was selling them there for $60. Uh, and he was telling everybody that it's going for 80 online, so I'm cutting you a deal. And there were people that were getting very angry to the point where there were, there were a lot of people standing around shouting at him and, and getting into uh, pretty aggressive arguments. So we're like, we're, we're going to cut out of here and come back later and get him to sign these and just not buy a Boba Fett cover. So <laughs> oddly enough, we had a couple, we had some people bring them in. We have some in our store right now and we did not pay $60 for them. So James, you want to but, go into uh, the silver age, uh, the silver age wall book that we had? Yeah. The last one that we moved was a, an 8.0 fantastic four forty eight. Oh, uh, and it, it's, it was a, just a gorgeous book. And I actually got that through doing uh, a little bit of, uh, trading up of some other books, and um, we ended up tra- for that. I traded a uh, traded a New Mutants ninety eight, traded a Daredevil one sixty eight, the first Electra, and um, now this next one I've heard people say in two ways. I've heard people say NYX, and I've heard people say Nix three, the first X twenty three. Whatever, however you decide to pronounce it, we also traded one of those in. 
and these were books that we had a combined total of about 250 bucks in uh, to this guy for the uh, FF48 that was already graded 80, and we turned around and got rid of it fairly quickly. I always like trading up for, I mean, even if we have three $400 books that we could trade for a $1,200 book, it's going to be easier for me to make that money back selling uh. a $1,200 book than, than three $400 books. Now, we, yeah. came, we came out ahead with this anyways, um, but that, that was a cool way to get that by kind of, you know, trading up with some other books that we had already trade, done some trading for, and we just kept kept going and going. And finally, we got that FF48 out of it and, and sold that pretty quickly off the wall. Very, very cool. Yeah. That's first Galactus, right? 48. First Silver Surfer and Galactus. Yeah, yeah. Oh, man. Yeah, that's, that's, yeah. that's a cool book. Now you I'm just going to cool throw out a shameless plug. Throw out a shameless plug. That's not the only copy of FF48 that we've had in the shop. We also have no. FF52. We've got a lot of early Justice League. So, I mean, if people are looking for quality back issues mm-hmm. and haven't been to our shop, You'll we've got them. some great keys. <laughs> and absolutely, we, we will, will ship them. You we bet. Will. We just shipped a couple of books to Ohio on Tuesday. Kyle, yeah. what are you doing? <laughs> it was not a high. <laughs> it was not Kyle. <laughs> well, and just, just last month we had a, a JLA number one that came in, and it went out about just as quickly. So... We've gotten a lot of really, really cool stuff in in about the last six months. Now, yep. you, you, you said you went through quite a few um, Batman Adventures 12. That you've sold like half a dozen of those, haven't you? Yeah, I'd say, I'd say mm-hmm. about that. Um, the one that we've gone through uh, half a dozen of this year has been New Mutants 98. And if there's... Obviously, it's a book I think that's going to keep holding its value to a point. But between that and Batman Adventures 12, is I look at the, the three... The three biggest modern books, I'm not counting Turtles because I think it came out just before what I'd really consider right. to be modern, um, but New Mutants 98, Batman Adventures 12, and Walking Dead number one. And I think between the three of those, Walking Dead number one is always going to hold its value, probably go up a little bit, uh, keep creeping up. Batman Adventures 12, I think, has got the most room for growth, and I think New Mutants 98 is I believe it's already overinflated and with the amount of them that come in I mean we've besides the ones that we've actually bought we've had a lot of them that, that people have brought in where they've just want to wanted too much for it and we've said no sorry we can't give you $300 for a $300 book um whereas if somebody brought a, a Batman Adventures 12 and wanted 300 bucks for it I would do it in a heartbeat so I think between all those books um if I had to if I had to hold anything, I would hold Batman or hold Walking Dead, buy Batman Adventures twelve, and sell New Mutants ninety eight. But but that's just me. I could have had an, a New Mutants ninety eight for sixty bucks, and I I passed. It was a you long time ago. Go back and see if you it can a, get it. It was a long time ago. <laughs> yeah. I found one. Eric Eric knows about this. I found one at a thrift store uh, last year for a dollar, and it was hilarious because the guy. I always go into the shop and talk to the guy whenever he gets comics. He sets them aside for me. And I went in, and he had a giant stack on his counter. And I said, hey, you got some comics? He's like, yeah, this guy beat you to it. He got all the good stuff. And I looked, and he was buying a bunch of, like, random uncanny X-Men in the 300s. He's like, I got all the good stuff, man. I'm sorry. I was like, yeah, okay. I start going through it. Here's a New Mutants 98. I said, what are the what are these kind of junk books you got left on the counter then? He's like, those are all a buck. I was like, I'll give you a buck for this. Walked out. <laughs> so that was a great feeling. And the other guy, and they both, they I left, and they both felt like, uh, you know, the guy got the the best books, and he sold me a junk book for a dollar. Everybody won. 
Everybody won. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Except for that guy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess. Hey, Kyle, you got anything for this? I do not. I don't really either. I can't compete with that. Um, what is the highlight of the first six months of 2016? Rebirth. Easily rebirth. Rebirth. Yeah. Yep. yeah. That's mine, too. I second that. Yeah. It's worth it. Um, and, yeah, I, um, I, I just, I, I'm excited about how much this has energized me as a DC reader and other people, and it's really kind of exciting. It was tough, honestly, for James and I to figure out how much we were going to order on it. And the reason I say that is not only was it, you know, it's, it's the first major re whatever you want to call it canoidering rejiggering of a, of a universe that we've been shop owners for but beyond that when we went to the dc retailer roadshow we were there at seven o'clock at night and i think by 2 a.m the next morning our foc was due our final order so we had to make our decisions really ahead of going into that retailer summit and if we were going to make a change it had to be quick on the way home in some fashion uh, so we sat down and we we did. We bought more of Rebirth than we have bought for any other book. And as we were kind of sitting down and listening to Dan DiDio and Jim Lee talk through it and get to the points of we see that we've strayed kind of the main line. We know that readers are saying that they don't feel connected to the DC universe. We realize that the TV shows and the vi- movies are dependent on the comics for the history and we need, we need to re retain that and recover it we kind of i think both were breathing a sigh of relief like okay this book is not returnable this is going to be a complete recentering we're okay with it and it paid off in spades i think that we our shop definitely ordered more than anyone in our immediate area one of the shops that's within an hour away from us ordered three total (laughs) copies of rebirth um so and we easily tripled that number uh and maybe 30 times at least. Uh, so for us, it was one of those things where it was a little kind of holy crap. But as soon as we started hearing that, and as soon as it came out, and like James said, we had people calling from all around asking if we had it. We had a woman come in from downtown Milwaukee, bought two oh, issues great. to mail to Sydney, Australia, because the comic store in Sydney, Australia ran out, and her they son only have is one. a service member. Yeah, they only have one comic store apparently, or at least one that's known by people. So she came in, bought two copies of it, and literally that afternoon it was on its way to Sydney, Australia. So that was kind of cool. That's amazing. Well, and another thing with Rebirth, which to me was um, the most illuminating about how big this was really going to be, was we did sell through the one-shot very quickly, but it wasn't a case of people coming in and speculating by buying five or ten copies. Right. Uh, I don't think we had anyone. We had a few people that bought both covers. But by and large, it, it was all people coming in and buying a copy to read. People that have we've never seen before. That, that A lot of people that have never read a comic before. Um, it, it was So it was readers coming in to buy this. It wasn't just speculators. And that just opened my eyes about how big Rebirth could, could really be. Were you yeah, surprised I- that... Uh, nationally, uh, it just crested a quarter million copies. Did you um, think it would be bigger? I did. Uh, no, I didn't. And okay. the reason that I didn't think it was going to be bigger is because of the tight turnaround that you had to have as a retailer to order it. Mm-hmm. Um, and what I think hurt it was, number one, the delay of the announcement, and then the delay of getting the DC previews. 
yeah, from the regular previews, all those true. delays stacked against it. So retailers had to really hedge their bets and say, either what am I comfortable with knowing that I can absolutely get um, sold or what am I willing to accept to take a bath on? And most yeah. retailers are very, should be, if they're intelligent, mm-hmm. are not willing to take a big bath. So they're only going to sell what they can. We reached and we got, some cases we got lucky. We like to think that we put a lot of thought into it because we did and 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 nailed what we needed to do. Yeah, and I'll be honest, we both thought, we kind of half thought that the whole Rebirth line would be kind of DOA. That it just, that it wouldn't pick up, that it would seem like they had tried too many times We've had a lot of people that have come in and said, and said, didn't they just do this with the new 52? And we said, <laughs> or even um, worse, convergence. Yeah. Uh, let's not even talk about convergence. Well, and yeah, that's another thing where I think you want to look at the, the big difference between the companies. Um, convergence and Secret Wars sort of did the same thing to a point where they they temporarily put a lot of all, or all the core books on hold to do um, a bunch of different miniseries. And whereas Marvel did, you know, a- after Secret Wars, Marvel relaunched a bunch of new number ones. And what we saw was most of their numbers dropped off. I mean, we sell less copies of Amazing Spider-Man now than we did before Secret Wars. And Convergence was such... Secret Wars sold really well. So that's why it was a shock to us. Convergence was such a terrible stinker of an event, and it sold like, like crap. And Rebirth comes out and we're selling, we, we can't keep half the books on the shelf. So I was surprised just because of that. I was expecting it to be like the Marvel renumbering only worse. We were just going to see more and more people lose interest, but it was the exact opposite. Yeah, and I want to call out with both Convergence and Secret Wars, the respective publishers screwed the pooch on both of them. Because like James said, Convergence was just a, a pooper. I mean, it was it was bad. It wasn't very good. Mm-hmm. It was rushed. It was not high quality. And it didn't help them. But almost as bad or even worse, I think part of the reason why we saw a drop-off of Marvel titles is the number one started coming out before Secret Wars was even done. Mm-hmm. So you yeah. were getting stories that were dependent on the end of Secret Wars ahead of it. And people, I think, kind of in their mind said, well, I, I don't even know what the end of Secret Wars is. I'm not going to jump onto a new title without knowing what the fallout's going to be. So they both kind of screwed the pooch on themselves. Yeah. Well, and, and I knew right away when they put, um, was it uh, <laughs> Sad Ribic? Ribic, yep. I think is his Ribich. name. Um, yeah, when they put him on it, I remember the, the announcement they made. The first thing I said was it's never going to come out on time. He's a really cool guy. I've met him. Very, very, very heavy, thick accent. Um, but the guy cannot keep... A schedule going his art is hyper detailed it's, it's beautiful art but for an event book if they should they should have had the first six issues in the bag before they decided to to drop the series because it like eric said it really did lose almost all of its momentum we have i mean we've got 10 copies of secret war nine sitting on the shelf and maybe one copy of of an issue before seven there were a lot of people who just stopped buying it mm-hmm. because of the delays and then when you'd read, you'd pick up Iron Man number one, and it's, and there's Doctor Doom in in the first issue. Obviously, that you know that kind of gives something away. So it, it was really a non-starter for us the way that they really they bungled it, that. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Yeah, that was terrible. Um, what is your prediction for the rest 
of 2016. So I think our, our prediction is that Rebirth is going to cool off a little bit, but it's going to remain a very popular line-wide event, uh, at least through this first year. And I think that speaks to the quality of creators and the way that they're starting out, kind of getting back to the history, and then also the, the new approach that they're kind of taking to creating the books. Um, I, outside of comics, work in the software development world, not like John as an actual developer, but as a, man, a project manager. And one of the ways that we work is um, very specific on looking at quarterly chunks of work we're going to do and then breaking it down. And that's essentially what John, Jeff Johns is going to be doing with the different creative teams within the respective um, title sub areas. So you've got your Superman titles, you've got your Gotham titles, Green Lanterns. He's going to be sitting down with the different creators and just making sure that there is not only continuity within the book itself, but continuity across the entire line so that we don't see this fracturing of of books. And I think that for me, that is a sign of learning and growth and how we don't want the DC universe to fracture apart anymore. So um, I think Rebirth will cool off, but I think that it's going to remain a, a really strong, hopefully will remain very strong for at least the next year or two. Yeah, and one more thing to, to interject with um, why I think Rebirth is going to do really well. And we didn't even talk about this I don't think in our rebirth coverage podcast that we did was that did Dio and, and Lee, when they were up there talking at, at the rebirth Roadshow, sort of admitted that the, they've been ignoring a lot of the feedback from retailers that they don't want, an, there's no reason to put out another black Canary series or another Dr. Fate series when, when you do your big relaunch, because it's going to get 12 issues in and it's going to crap out and no one's going to buy it. You know, um, the the last uh, Omega Men that Tom King was doing was a great book, but it got canceled at issue six and it, it got brought back again for a few issues and then it got canceled again. Great books, but they don't sell. And and um, I don't want to I don't want to say that it's a good thing to stifle creativity and not to give kind of those third tier titles a chance. But the problem is they always 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 drop off. Inevitably they drop off. And what what they said that they're going to do with Rebirth is instead of putting out a another Dr. Fate series, it's going to be dead by issue eight. Let's get Dr. Fate worked into another series that's got all these other characters in it, whether it's going to be called Earth 2 or Justice Society or whatever. Let's get these, these characters that would be in these books that aren't going to be able to carry themselves and put them together and make sure that we have a very, very, very strong foundation before we put a book out. Is there going to be a market to sustain the book for at least 24 issues, which is now a, a full year? Um, and I think that's going to make things a lot easier on, on the retailer, and it's going to give the ongoing series more of a chance to shine because they're not going to be fighting with, with editorial against getting canceled by the by the sixth issue. So that that's the other thing I think that people should consider is that DC is not going to be putting out these, these third-tier titles. They're going to be focusing on the, the heavy hitters. Which is, I mean, I think it makes sense. And, you know, if you want to tell an Omega Man story, just tell it in one of your ongoings. Yep. Yeah, exactly. Just shoehorn exactly. it in there. Shoehorn it in there somehow. Well, um, and you know that with, with this double shipping for a lot of these titles, you know that there's going to potentially be burnout or there's going to be, you know, artists that just aren't able to keep up, you know, and that's going to happen. So 
if you know that's already going to happen, you can take advantage of that and give someone a spell for a month or two, let them recharge and rejuvenate and keep it going by putting one of these other stories in. Mm -hmm. Kyle, what's your prediction for the rest of 2016? I'm going to guess for the rest of 2016, there will be at least three months that DC will beat Marvel in total sales. You got to be kidding me! That is my exact <laughs> prediction. <laughs> That's awesome. And we didn't know, talk about that. June, July, August. I'm thinking, right? Uh, July, August, and then maybe September. I think they got this month. Did you see what the top reorder was, though? It was uh, Civil War two issue three. DC had seventy five percent of the reorder chart, but Marvel still took number one. Mm. But the rumor is three hundred and fifty thousand plus for Batman. Number oh, one. Oh, I believe it. So, pile all that on, and I'm thinking DC probably takes June, yeah. July. Uh, from well, from what I ordered for August, it looks dominant there, and then there, <laughs> based on just, Kyle's order, it's just, just based on myself alone. But just adding on to those each and every month, um, yeah. One well, thing to keep in mind is DC is not going to divulge how many copies of a book get returned too though yeah because all those but books neither are does marvel ever marvel has a lot of weird yeah. stuff does it but That's... diamond will adjust those on their charts so, so i had a good little okay. email back and forth with our good friend john mayo talking about that and how he calculates it and what he is told is from diamond's standpoint the safe assumption um, without going too far over or too far under is most returnable titles get 20% back I think for Rebirth so far, at least for the Rebirth number one and the first, or the individual title like Green Lantern Rebirth number one and then Green Lantern number one, for those titles, I think that um, by and large there's not going to be as much return activity. Maybe by the third issue there will be, uh, or the third month of issues, I should say, but I don't think so uh, in the upfront. And Kyle, to also add a little extra oomph behind your your statement of the three months uh, we just submitted our order to diamond for two months out from now mm-hmm. and what would you say james it's maybe almost double what we normally do a little bit under double what we normally do and a lot of that is dc the, the yeah. full order is yeah the full order is probably double what we would normally submit but our our dc alone is i mean it, it's just an incredible amount of books compared to what we used to order we've probably got I would say it's safe to assume that we are ordering twenty times the DC books that we that we used to order. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, I'm super heavy on DC for the August, the one we just submitted. And even as I said it, I I just looked at myself. I said, "Man, I should have tripled my Harley order." <laughs> Jeez Louise. Um, okay, the the book that's most dropped from pull lists, and then on the flip side, the book that's most added to pull lists. Um, in the last six months, and it's probably in the last six weeks that you can probably find your answer, I'm guessing. Uh, well, added, yeah, obviously that that's going to be anything from Rebirth. I don't think Most we could really narrow it. Though, Most surprisingly from the Rebirth, it's Green Arrow to me that people are adding to their pull list. Yeah, well, you know, both Flash and Green Arrow are, are being added, and I do think that the TV shows have a lot to do with that. We've got, you know, one one customer in, in particular who has the big green arrow tattoo. Eric, you know who I'm talking about. Oh, yeah. Um, and he's he started coming in because of the TV shows. Uh, and, and now he is, I think he's getting, he's another guy that subscribed to every Rebirth book. He's in every Wednesday, like right when we open. Really, really nice guy, young guy. 
and he is a diehard DC fan that was won over by the TV shows. Hadn't read wow. comics before that, and he buys anything anything that we can find Green Arrow. Uh, I found um, I bought a, a big collection from somebody, and they had a a Mike Grell Green Arrow shirt from the '80s that was still in the original graffiti designs bag that it shipped in. It had never been worn. So I, I put it in his in his pull list, and he wore it around for like a week. He was super psyched to get that. <laughs> so I think that with those titles, they've had such increased awareness because of the TV shows that um, that may you know that might propel them to be. You, you may actually have Green Arrow outselling Green Lantern for a while, and maybe the same thing with with Flash outselling uh, Superman. I know we've sold more Flash than we have Superman with Rebirth now, and. Um, be kind of neat to see the the tiers shift of who the top characters are at DC and and maybe it is completely related to the to the other media. That is weird because yeah, DC's putting a lot of eggs in the Superman basket and if they if it turns out to be the two television properties that are doing the best mm-hmm. and that's that's really amazing. That that would be cool because John Mayo says that doesn't happen. So Well, and yeah, well here's another thing I guess to his point though. We don't get a lot of people to come and add Marvel books to the list because Civil War came out or Iron Man came out or right. Apocalypse is out. Or Daredevil. But DC's, or, TV, yeah. Yeah, DC's TV shows are getting people in and reading their books. So, um, yeah, they're not making the hundreds of millions or billions that the Marvel movies are making. But as, uh, I guess, as a, uh, a driver to get people into the comic series, the, the DC shows are far outshining the Marvel mm-hmm. movies for us. And I, I think part of the reason why we see Green Arrow and The Flash specifically, obviously The Flash played a huge part of Rebirth. Right. Um, so that's big. But then also, I, you know, one comment that we've gotten from, I think, two or three more experienced readers who have, have lived through the micro era of Green Arrow uh, were commenting, man, this feels like the Green Arrow that I know. He looks like the Green Arrow that mm-hmm. I know. He's talking like the Green Arrow I know. Uh, and right then and there, these are guys that loved Green Arrow in the past, but completely fell off of it in the New 52. They just they didn't like the way the character was going. They literally, one of them, who is one of our one of our best customers, just a wonderful man, he picked up the book, got home that afternoon, read it, and it, within 10 minutes of reading the book, shot us a message on Facebook, you need to add Green Arrow to my pull list. I mean, it, it's ex- Green Arrow is now exciting people who kind of left it and they're coming back. So I think that that's, yeah. a, that's another key piece. James, you want to you want to drop the ball on the most uh, dropped from pull lists? Uh, yeah. Uh, even though I mentioned before, it was well. I of course I talked about Walking Dead, um, and I and I do think that the like I said that the image subscription program is is hurting uh, stores. The other book that I noticed, despite saying it was a juggernaut before, is the core Star Wars title. Um, we get a lot of people that are that are losing steam on that book. Mm. And there have been a lot of people that have dropped that and they said, you know, take it off my list. I'll still probably pick it up. Just don't put it in my box, which usually means about, there's about a 50% chance that they'll actually buy it off of the shelf. And that's carried over to a lot of the Star Wars miniseries that we used to have a lot of people that would just subscribe to Star Wars all. They wanted Vader, they wanted... Leia, when it came out, they wanted uh, the, the Star Wars core title. And then they started pumping out <clears throat> a lot of books that were kind of fun, but that every miniseries that came out, we saw 
a little bit less sell-through. Uh, Lando, we ordered, I think, you know, like 75 copies of, and we've still got a bunch of those on the shelf. Chewbacca, we, we toned it down, but we've still got, we sold a good amount of them. We still have a lot on the shelf to the point where Poe Dameron, we're down to maybe, uh, you know, 20 copies of Poe Dameron a month that we're getting. And it, we've definitely seen a drop off. Now they're still outselling almost all of the Marvel books, but they are dropping off. Did Thank you, you uh, Vader. Did down. you go? Did you go heavy on Han Solo? <laughs> yeah, we did, and I think I I think I ordered too many. I'll be honest. I think <laughs> I did. We we had. Um, I mean, I, I, honestly, we sold maybe twelve or fifteen uh, since it came out, and I'm going to have a big old pile sitting there for quite a while. Hopefully, the uh, Rogue One comes out, and, and we get a lot of people coming in to to rebuy them. We have a pretty big hearty star wars section where we have all the books out and um they do have legs i mean we still get a lot of people coming in and buying uh shattered empire and now that they have that did you guys hear about the uh the spec news on shattered empire 4 no uh-oh uh well big spoiler alert if you want to hear if you want to i'm not going to spoil what the spoilers are but shattered empire 4 is now being viewed as a good spec book because of the leaked spoilers for episode mm-hmm. eight so yeah, if you want to find out what that is check it out uh you could it's probably to, to the point where you you can walk into just about any store and get that book at cover um but yeah that's that's probably aiming to be a pretty decent uh spec book also um if anybody listening knows this or if you guys know this they just revealed the character that Forrest whitaker is playing in rogue one and it's an exist. It's actually an existing character. Uh, so we need to figure out what his first comic appearance was, and then stockpile the hell out of that. <laughs> and then there's talk of uh, Captain Phasma's first appearance, if you're not counting the fact that she was in a hologram in the one that just came out. Also coming up. Yeah, I I have a hard time with those movie adaptations being. I mean, I yeah, it'll be the first appearance of like Ray and Finn, but. Um, I think it's it's not going to be near the same as uh, like the, what Shattered Empire Four is going to end up being, potentially if the the spoilers are, you know, correct, or whatever this first appearance of Forrest Whitaker's character is, which everybody's got to get on that really quick. Cause I'm dying to know what it is. Mm-hmm. But either way, that's that's uh, Star Wars is probably our line wide most dropped book, except for Vader. Yeah, yep, that's Vader holds firm. I, w- I wouldn't have guessed that in twenty tries, so that's pretty that's pretty interesting. Um, okay, we're at close to two and a half hours. <laughs> oh my god, we just started. Um, so, uh, did I miss? Did we miss anything? Do you want? Is there something you want to do to close here, or you want to? Well, you, we need to plug anything. Yeah, we do have one thing coming up in the shop that we'd love to plug if that's all right. Yeah, help yourself. All right, so on July 2nd, uh, if you're in the Milwaukee area, or if you need an excuse to come to the Milwaukee area, uh, we will be having Phil Hester in our shop starting at 1 o'clock. Yeah. He's going to be there for probably about four hours is what it sounds like right now. He'll be signing books, uh, including the new um, uh, Deathstroke Deathstroke Annual annual number 2. Which he is writing, and that comes out uh, this coming Wednesday which is why we tied it into this 4th of July weekend so he can kind of 
you know, do that with the launch of the, the Deathstroke annual. And yep. it's interesting to note, by the way, there are no Rebirth titles coming out this next Wednesday. Yeah, I know. I was looking at it. <laughs> Is it fifth, fifth week? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But everyone should pick up Deathstroke Annual 2 because Phil Hester is a heck of a nice guy. Mm-hmm. And then buy it from us and he'll sign it for you. Yeah, and uh, added to that, he will be in the shop, like I said, for about four hours. There's a limited number of slots for sketches that he will try and do. Are they awful, awful. now? Oh. Yep. Try and bribe James to bump his own off your list if you want. Not doing it. Um, <laughs> not doing it. But either way, so yeah, Phil Hester is going to be going to be stopping by July second. Um, so if you want to come up and meet him, that would be a great time. And just stay tuned to our Facebook page because we've got some pretty killer stuff in the works for the end of summer, early fall, as far as creators and events happening out of the shop. Yep. Awesome. This is the inaugural. First half Cowie Award <laughs> celebration. We we really need to work on our name and our branding uh, for this. But um, uh, we we really appreciate. The, was that a got... cow joke with the branding? No, but it should have been. That was don't, that was utterly joke. terrible. Oh, oh my god, oh. it's getting worse as it goes along. <laughs> we want to thank the guys from Cowabunga for joining us and uh, taking the time to answer all these category questions we hope you enjoyed it we hope uh you're still listening after <laughs> nearly two and a half hours and uh for kyle uh we want to thank you for listening to comics for, for fun and profit and you also be hearing this on uh the cowabunga comics podcast as well the cowcast so um, um enjoy and uh, we appreciate it well thank you for thank having you. us on guys all right yes, really absolutely. appreciate it too Thank you. Kyle, you want to sign us off? See ya. <laughs>